Today's episode of Laced Up a Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Smoke and Mirrors Media. James, can you tell me what kind of fish they have there? Uh, yes, they uh, they used to have pickerel. Uh, they've moved on, and since they've yeah. uh, they brought in halibut, I believe. Yeah. Not as tasty. It's just like you were so bad at doing the Airedale ads yeah. that it's just like I may as well let you do the same bit with this ad. Uh, redfish. You just. You didn't help them much. Uh, Smoke and Mirrors Media is a creative media production company specializing in photography and videography. Their services provide creative content for clients that offer extraordinary advertising and exposure opportunities that will help any size and type of business stand out from the competition. Whether you're a struggling artist with a small budget or a successful business with some extra cash, Smoke and Mirrors Media can take your venture to the next level. Does that sound like something you'd be interested in? Jim? Now, did you use exposure in that because it's like a camera word and it's like an opportunity word and kind of playing on the words? I gotta be honest with you, I'm pretty sure Mike wrote this ad. <laughs> so, I, you'd have to ask him. Hey, he was supposed to be on today's episode, but he but he, he, he isn't. Um, not because he's flaky or anything, don't worry about that, he's a great photographer. Uh, professional f- photography offers your websites, brochures, and social media outlets the opportunity to shine. Professional videography creates an opportunity that allows potential customers and clients to get an in-depth look at your unique venture. Smoke and Mirrors Media doesn't just deal with commercial shoots, but also private accounts as well. Wedding and engagement photos, family portraits, and even more can be available through Smoke and Mirrors Media, and nobody does it better. Visit www.smokeandmirrorsmedia.ca for more information and follow, this is a tough one, at smokeandmirrors.media on Instagram for more information. Smokeandmirrorsmedia.media. Smoke and mirrors. No, okay. No. So, 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 all right. So I got to do that again, I guess now. Uh, don't worry about James. Smokeandmirrorsmedia.ca is their website. And at smokeandmirrors.media is their Instagram handle. Ah. Okay. Tricky. Yeah. Thank you for for making me do that again, James. Well, in case they miss it the first time, now they have it a second time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if only there was a way to rewind your podcasts, right? If you even fucking miss something. Mike's paying by the minute for this, right? (laughs) And speaking of which, uh, today's episode is sponsored by Airedale. Uh, you know, <laughs> James, can you name me all of the fish in the world and we'll just uh, <laughs> rack up this bill real good. A double sponsored intro. That'd be crazy. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, enjoy the show. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Inside, Kane's over on the other side. Drop pass. Richards, Kane, scores! Just might be Chicago's Chelsea Dagger. There's a still in the night, a tuneless moonlight. Just the I need you, and here's why snoring boards and shadows. 
Sunday, November 1st, one, an avid fan of snow-based natural disaster-themed sports teams. The other, my co-host and a Northside rider hiding behind an internet pseudonym, Reggie Brutes, the latest up podcast finale. And I am not Doc Emmerich. Um, I am James Cole. Oh, you could have fooled me. Still. Could have fooled me. Still, baby. Uh, oh, I'm uh, uh, fucking uh, Brutes Pataglia from the Northside. And I am uh, Reggie Defio from that van down by the river. <laughs> nice. That's that. Yeah, could That's be funnier than anything any other guest has said in this podcast. That could, yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. Like Chozik doing the the soundbite on our 69th episode was pretty good. You might remember me from the episode or 45 titled "Gas Station Boner Pills." The fact that I got. John to say gas station boner fills in that ad, On and, he, and he had no realization it until it was in the episode that he that he had to say it. It's a genius. It's one of the smartest things I've ever done, to be honest. That's fair. Um, yeah, this is our finale. Um, season finale. season finale. This is, yeah. <laughs> Please specify. Yeah, taking this a little, is it. Taking it's a little a holiday, finale. holiday break after this. Uh, but uh, yeah, Doc Emmerich retired, um, and you may have noticed that given my horrible Doc Emmerich. Um, impression to lead us off that we're going to talk about Doc Emmerich real quick. I thought he was here. Yeah, yeah. that's what you're going oh, for. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, legendary broadcaster. Uh, One of the best ever. Yeah. Easily. One, yeah. Ho- hockey does not have a lot of uh, um, greats in terms of, you know, people that are recognized outside of the sport for being yeah, yeah. tied to the sport. Uh, he was, he was got to be, he's got to be the biggest in the U.S. by far. Doc, yeah, pro- probably. I mean, the only other comparison I would say is probably Gary Thorne, um, and but but that's de- that depends how you want to look at Gary Thorne because Gary Thorne you can look at as a hockey announcer or you can just consider him just an announcer, right? Because he he did so many other things. Um, so yeah, Doc probably is the biggest like hockey hockey associated guy I would say, um, and and for good reason. Like he's 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 insanely good at what he does. He's the only guy that I could listen to call a hockey game that describes literally everything that's going on, but I'm still interested. Like, I don't really need to know literally every play-by-play, and Doc tells you every single event on the ice, but I don't get tired of it because Doc is so exciting, or sorry, he's so excited, and he tells it in such an interesting way. That you know what I mean? You kind of you're almost just as interested in hearing him as you are as watching the game. Kind of surprised me, to be honest with you, that he that he's retiring. But I do think he's pulling the plug at the right time because I could hear. Um, I mean, he was calling the games from home, but I could hear him on uh, during the playoffs, and he just wasn't. He just wasn't. He's just kind of losing a step a little bit, right? Well, so, he also wasn't in the building. I don't believe. That's what I'm saying. He's calling yeah. the games from home. So, yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean. That is what it is. But even last year, I don't know, he just didn't quite seem like himself sort of thing. So I think he's he's kind of getting out while uh, while the getting's good kind of thing. And um, I mean, people make the argument Bob Cole stuck around too long. I don't I don't necessarily know that he did. Maybe it was a few years too long. But like even until like 2014, he was fucking incredible. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I good for him. I think uh, he's pulling the plug at the right time. But it's a legendary career. Doc. Um... First voice I ever had on a uh, hockey video game. 989 Sports back uh, NHL 97. 
he was the commentator. Nine eight nine sports wow. made that. <clears throat> yeah, I don't remember um, who the co-host was, but I remember Doc, and uh, that always stuck with me. So, um, it'll be tough to see him go. Obviously, being in Canada, we didn't get a ton of his calls. You know, we we obviously got the TSN guys, the Sportsnet, Hockeynet, and Canada crew. But every once in a while, you'd, you'd get a Doc Emmerich performance. Uh, the Winter Classic, for example, was always a. Uh, a big one. NBC usually had the rights to that, so you'd get Doc on uh, on New Year's Day, and um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna miss him. You know, um, Reg, you got any good uh, Doc memories? Uh, you know, I just always uh, like kind of. Oh God damn! I don't care. It's too late. It's yeah. too late. Well, well, we got a, he's yeah. got a beep yeah. button. That he's yeah. Been dying oh, to use. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. No. Right. Well, yeah. No. I'm I'm dying to use it. It's not like uh, you know. James drops a fucking super hard bomb like in the last 20 minutes of every episode that I have to weed through and find it every time and bleep it the fuck out. Mm-hmm. This guy gets real mouthy after about an hour on this podcast. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah. okay. I got time for this. Yeah, all I want to say is I always appreciate the uh, the amount of passion the guy brought to the game. You know? Yeah. Always, always very passionate, enthusiastic, and uh, yeah. He will be missed, uh, that's for sure. Um, just, he's just the, he's the voice for a lot of American hockey exactly. memories, you know? Yeah. And that's... He's he's our Bob Cole because you know like Bob Cole's called the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf moments that in my lifetime. So like I associate him with my team's albeit limited success. Um, so Doc Emmerich, I guess like you know if you're like a Rangers fan or something like that, Doc called the fucking step on overtime goal and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like he's called a lot of their big moments. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, it, now Devil's guy for you. Is he too. in the Hall of Fame? Like, like as. Does he have that? Like, is he currently in there? Yeah, because those like broadcasters, they have like a different. You don't have to be retired. You can you can get elected while you're still uh, doing the job. Yeah, he he is in there. He is. Yeah, well, that's good. Two thousand and eight. Oh wow! Uh, he got oh. the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that's that's good because I don't know if you heard about this, but they're not going to be oh, electing anybody God. in the twenty twenty one class. I'm sorry, Doc's seventy four. I thought Doc was like sixty eight. Not that it's like a huge difference, but I like I just like eighty two. Yeah, he's, oh, okay. he's feels like he's starting to get up there. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's a fun broadcaster to do impressions. I'm I'm, I'm glad he's in because yeah, like I said, no twenty twenty one class for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, the uh, committee came out, led by Lanny McDonald, and stated that you know the twenty twenty class. They're not yeah, getting led their... by Lanny McDonald. He's the chairman of the Hall of Fame. Lanny McDonald's the chairman of the. Yeah. yeah, I feel like they could have picked a less hilarious looking guy to maybe do that job. <laughs> Am I right? Could you imagine? Am I like, right, folks? Could you imagine like the Hall of Fame like committee had like a had like a Lou Lamorello type rule where there's yeah, no rah. facial hair allowed, and Lanny's got like. I thought you were going to say, imagine they had Lou Lamorello making all the calls. I'm like, well, fucking Sergey Nemchinov <laughs> would have been in there years ago. Sergey Breland. Yeah. Jay Pandolfo. Era, Brent Burns shall never enter my hallowed halls. I stand by the Dan McGillis signing. No Era. beards in the hall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Lanny McDonald comes out, he states that the 2020 class, uh, which we learned about uh, just around the same time as the, the COVID uh, pandemic put the season on pause, uh, will kind of, you know, they deserve to have their, their moment, their weekend, their party, their celebration, um, which is fair. Uh, what confused me is why we can't just have a bigger party. You know, why 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 is it okay to do this for six people and yeah. not like yeah, twelve? I, I agree with that. Yeah, with two classes whenever we get around to it, because like we don't fucking know how long this thing's gonna like this. This could get worse. We don't know. It could be like four years of no hockey. Oh, Are we just gonna have like no 
Hall of Fame inductions yes, for I, like I, four or five years. Yeah, you can't tell me that. I I, I can't handle Buddy, fucking come on. four we more gotta, years of this. We gotta be real here. I can't. I can't do this. We owe anymore. this to the people. This is terrible. They just lost Doc. They're relying oh, on us. God. <laughs> it's like. If I want to go to a bar and have a beer by myself or something like that, I like I just don't like going in and feeling like everyone's mad that I'm there. You know what I mean? Like I just feel like everyone resents you when you're out places right now. It's like ugh, I don't know. Mm. It just makes me feel weird. Um, yeah, I don't know why they just don't have a bigger party for sure. Okay, if you're looking to keep the focus on your current class, right? And you're worried that if you add more people to the class that maybe these people don't get their due, then maybe they're not that famous anyway. Maybe they shouldn't be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, you know? Like, I don't understand. Like, if, they, if, if you need to give them their due, their fucking career should speak for itself. So I don't really understand the idea of not doing it next year in that sense. Um, like I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, 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 all this is, is to honor, supposedly, honor the best names that the game has to offer and to make money at the gate. And the best way to do that is to have more fucking names in there. And so why not just add more names on the plaque? Like, I don't understand what this does. It's very weird. And I got to tell you, uh, this was, this is shit you not to me, the weirdest thing that's been cancelled from the pandemic. I don't know why, but for some reason when I saw that news, I'm like, wow, that's actually fucked. It just, it just, it was weird. Yeah, I'd almost agree with that. It just seems like I I don't, like, I know they've given their reasoning, but I just, I don't really understand any of it. We already have a backlog of players that could be making the Hall of Fame oh to take God. another year off now, I mean. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side of that, though, there's an argument that there's too many guys in there right now, so. Well, true. You know, maybe this is a way to help thin the herd. Gee, yeah, if only there was a way to not fucking put in eight people at four, like you've heard of four of them every year. If only there was a fucking way to do that. Yeah. You know? Be great. Who, like, who, again, who's going in this year? Like, isn't it fucking, like, Kevin Lowe and shit this year? Um, Kevin Lowe's one of them. Uh. Um, <laughs> Jerome McGinley, obviously. Like, Avs legend. I remember yes. we had this, yeah, we had this discussion, legend. like, a year ago when the fucking Hall of Fame class got announced, because yeah. it feels like a year ago. Anyway, like, like, Kevin Lowe is one thing, but even just Kevin Lowe as a player rather than a builder for me is the weirdest part. Like, it's just like, even, even that would make more sense to me, but like, I don't really think of him as a particularly good player. I've seen the footage. I remember McGinley did not get in. McGill- no, McGillney's in this no. year, isn't he? No. So McGillney's just not... Is McGillney just not getting in, or what's going on there? Um, It's trending in that direction. Really? I could have swore he was in this class. I mean, it shows you how fucking famous these guys are, right? If you don't, don't even fucking remember who it is that's uh, <laughs> going on. You got uh, Ken Holland, Marion... Ugh. Yeah. Ken Holland, uh, Marion Hosa, Jerome McGinley, Kevin Lowe, uh, Kim St. Pierre, and uh, Wilson. What's his name? Doug. Doug. Oh, Doug. 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 And okay. Doug. Okay, and that's another one. Like, Doug going in as a player, not as a builder. Just bizarre to me. Doug Wilson going in as a player? Yeah. Oh, that's the right call. Good. I mean, good player. Just like, you know. Well, he should be in an under both, is my point. Okay. Like, he should be in under right. both. I'm not that's arguing fair. that he shouldn't be in as a player. Sure. I just think that's... Uh, like, again, like, I, I don't necessarily... I, I, Doug Wilson's one guy, but, like... I don't really think of Kevin Lowe as a particularly amazing fucking hockey player, and he's getting in as a player, not as a builder, and Ken Holland's been a pretty 
bad general manager for about 10 years or more. So I don't, like, I don't, I don't know. It's a weird one for me too, but. Like, just timing-wise, you know what I mean? Why not put him in years ago? Why are we putting him now on the back half of his career when he uh, basically got fired by the Red Wings and then pushed out, you know? This is definitely a strange Hall of Fame class this year. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a big Ken Holland guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He was a great guy. See? Yeah. Well, he loves giving his right. friends and former players money. That's a lot of sure. money. A lot of, like, big, big money guy. You know, yeah. you know, like, you know, Justin Abbocator threw a lot of big hits for us last year in the playoffs. I'm going to give him eight years and $42 million. And a no fucking no movement clause. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, you know, you help your friends and they'll help you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully one day Justin now. Al- oh, I'm not going to make that joke. Wow. Okay. That was, um, I, I, I was about to cross a line. Yeah, you got a lot of bleeping to, to do on, on the edit front. Um, okay, so we, we've been gone for a little bit here. Uh, an extended gap between episodes. Uh, so we do have a little bit of uh, housekeeping. We got to catch up on all the fun signings and trades that have happened since we talked to you last, which was October 10th, for those of you that don't remember, um, a mere 22 days ago. Holy fuck, three weeks off. What are we, what are we doing? Uh <laughs> Um, okay, so we're going to get you caught up. What we're going to do is, because we're kind of tight on time, I'm going to start going through the signings. And I'm yeah. going to go, and, and if someone wants to talk about it, just cut me off and start talking about it. Otherwise, I'm just going to move on to the next one, because there's a lot of names here and a lot of things to get to. There's so, a couple trades, too. Just there to are some ahead. trades as well. I'm going to do the signings first, and I'll circle around to the trades uh, after that. So when we talked last, I believe we ended on Jordan Greenway with the Minnesota Wild, which leads us then to the next signing. Uh, Troy Stetcher, two years with the Detroit Red Wings at $1.7 million. Good signing, I like it. Uh, I like Troy Stetcher. Tyson Berry gets one year, 3.75 to go score a ton of points on the power play with the Emerson Oilers. Good signing, I like it, I like Tyson Berry. I think that was a smart move for Berry as well. I, I don't... See, the funny thing with Tyson Berry, and like I can't speak to his time in Colorado, uh, Reggie can, but like I don't, I don't find Tyson Berry... Uh, to be particularly amazing on the power play. Like, he's better than Morgan Riley was, so I was definitely fine with him being on the Leafs' first unit. But, I don't like, I don't know. He just makes weird decisions kind of on the power play, I found. And uh, he's a big shoot-first guy, which I don't know that they're going to love that in Edmonton. I don't really know. It's going to be interesting. But I still like the fit. I think it's great. They need a puck-moving defenseman. They need someone that can mm-hmm. uh, hop up into the play and skate with fucking Connor McDavid, and there are not many defensemen that can do that. Tyson Berry's one of them. Uh, Nate Thompson, a one-year deal with the Winnipeg Jets at $750,000. Like it. Uh, Oilers are bringing back Mike Smith for one more go at it at $2 million for one year. Don't like it. Yeah, very that's questionable. Not great. Don't if like he's it. the backup, that's fine, but that's a lot of money for a backup. Yeah, I hate to break it to you, too, but he might be the best goalie on the roster. Not that good. Uh, Mark Pissick signs a one-year deal with the Dallas good. Stars at Get him out of the 000. fucking division. I've had it with wow. that fucking guy. That guy's the most dangerous fucking player on the ice. Uh, against the Leafs, other than former Maple Leafs, so fuck them. Get them out of the division. I've had enough of that fucking asshole. Anytime a defenseman can score uh, up, uh, playing forward uh, is uh, not just a... score, not just score. Get a hat trick, James. Must win game for the Leafs. Must fucking win. Uh, what what yeah. does that mean to you? It means you got to win it. Hall of Famer Doug Don't Wilson. Don't let a defenseman score a fucking hat trick playing forward. Fuck it. What is this fucking novice? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Hall of Famer Doug Wilson uh, holds okay. true to his word and gives Kevin LeBanc a four-year deal at $4.725 million per. Okay. 
So <laughs> I can see Reggie smiling. So Reggie Reggie hates Kevin LeBanc. Right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> but, like, I have to accept he's better than what he got last year. Like, that was an anomaly. The yeah. guy shouldn't have been paid what he was getting paid for yeah. one year. So, the weird the weird thing for me with Kevin LeBanc is that... Um, I'm going to assume that last year's production is not what Kevin LeBanc is. Because I think a lot of that was him being on a terrible team. The issue with Kevin LeBanc is that Kevin LeBanc is not really good enough to drive the play a ton. He kind of needs a supporting cast around him, but he's an incredibly good complementary player. And I think at the height of his powers that this is an underpayment. But given the fact that uh, San Jose, I think, is going to be terrible for a few years now, I don't really know that... Kevin LeBanc is going to be all that more productive now because of the supporting cast being weaker. So it's kind of, it's just a weird one for me. Like, I think that Kevin LeBanc's probably a $6 million player, but, um, but he didn't play that way last year. And so it's hard to argue that he's going to play that year that way moving forward. So I think it's good for him because the guy gets $19 million and a secure deal to stay in San Jose. Um, it's a good deal for San Jose because I think that he is potentially worth more to them than that. Well, in any case, Doug Wilson, a man of his word at least, so that's that's nice to see. He uh, he really could have screwed Kevin uh, um, out of a out of a um, a job. <laughs> like like honestly, too, like it's just like I, I didn't even realize this. Kevin LeBanc, of all players, like this includes guys that played like two minutes in the NHL last year. Kevin LeBanc, the 65th best player uh, in Corsi in the entire NHL last year. And and that was like a down year for him. Like, you know what I mean? And 54% expected goals. Okay. Like he, he's a good player, but he also was like a minus 30 and had like fucking 28 points or something last year. So. Not good. Yeah. Uh, the Calgary Flames signed uh, Louis Domingue to a one-year $700,000 contract. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, Sam Anas, I've never heard of this guy. Nope. Gets two years at 725000 no with the Blues. I think that that's the guy um, that every year that EA Sports like has a family friend that they're like, can you put my kid in the mm-hmm. game? And that this is the guy this year, I think. Could be. Uh, Jesper Fast gets three years with the Carolina Hurricanes at $2 million per. I personally think that's a good signing. Yeah. I think Carolina's kind of been crushing it this offseason. Yeah. Yeah, you big Carolina guy or what? I'm not even. I just I really respect what they're putting together over there. Do you think like eventually like they they like uh, is this gonna are they gonna get there? Like is this team gonna I get there? Know. Like I don't really know what this goalie. Team. I don't necessarily know they will, but I like where they're headed. Did they get a goalie? Nope. Really? I see. That's the funny part about doing this episode now is like I'm checked out from when all this happened. So I don't even remember all this happening. I don't remember if they picked up a goalie. They didn't get anyone? Nope. So, like, nobody. No, no. I'm not even doing a bit right now. No, like, no goalies. Sick. They didn't get anybody? No new goalies. So they have Morazic and James Reimer again. Yeah. There were so many goalies available. There's still goalies out there. Oh, yeah. Trade for Flurry. What are we well, doing? Well, I guess Vegas they can now, but, like, yeah. yeah. So Fuck off. Yeah, all the goalies are gone. Fucking joke. Uh, Cody Eakin signs a two-year deal with the Buffalo Sabres at $2.25 million. Good for them. That's fine. I guess. I don't know. It's 
fine. Toronto Maple Leafs signed Travis Boyd to a one-year $700,000 contract. All right. Now, I actually, uh, I can fill you guys in a little bit on Travis Boyd here. Oh, good. I was okay. hoping for the because, inside scoop here. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, if you want to know more about Travis Boyd, uh, Travis Boyd is a 27-year-old center. Um, and the scouting report says that Boyd is a human man who occupies three-dimensional space. He has neither more nor fewer limbs than is typical and has played hockey before and can be expected to do so again if required. In some of his photos, he has a beard, but in other ones, he doesn't have it, so it can go either way. Uh, we don't think his first and last names are backwards, but they could be. You, th- you think his first name could be Boyd? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. You, never, you never heard of a Boyd? Boyd Gordon. I guess so. It's not a great first name. That's a f- another former capital there. Oh, my! Boy um, Gordon! Valery Nishushkin signs a two-year deal with the Colorado Avalanche at $2.5 oh, yes. million. Our, our resident Colorado Avalanche expert here to fill us in. Ah, uh, yes. Val Nishushkin, uh, future Selkie winner. <laughs> he uh, has, really excited He has neither this, uh... more nor fewer limbs than is uh, typical. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, I think that's right where he needed to be signed. I'm glad to have him back on the team. He had a great year last year after uh, kind of being exiled from Dallas. Um, but I am glad they didn't. I think they might have slightly overpaid. Like, I think they probably could have got away with $2 million per, but... He's the one he left and played in the KHL, right? And then came back? Hmm. I think he played like one year yeah. over there or something. Well, that's good for them. Uh, Brendan Montour sends a one-year deal with the Buffalo Sabres at $3.85 million. Hey, you got to get to the uh, cap floor, am I right? Uh, yeah, he's, he's not great, but it's that team's pretty bad. So, Trevor Van Riemsdyk sends a one-year deal with the uh, Washington Capitals, $800,000. That's, that's good. Yeah, that's but, fine, whatever. But, uh, just to, to comment on the Montour signing just quickly, uh, there are worse defensemen on the right side of that defense making more money than Brandon Montour, so like they could be worse. That's a fair assessment. Uh, Trevor Van, Van Riemsdyk, yeah, I th- I think is uh, is fairly bad, but like I don't think he's going to play a lot in Washington, so it's fine. Uh, Zach Bogosian gets one year with the Toronto right. Leafs at one million dollars. Let's go, baby. So, um, I mean, obviously the the biggest news of this whole episode is that the Leafs got Zach Bogosian. They didn't get anyone else bigger than that. Zach Bogosian is a human male. Yeah. Mm. yeah. He definitely has the normal amount of limbs. Definitely has um, a beard. I I like the signing a lot. Like, the thing with Bogosian is just, like, he's coming in and he's not going to play every night, probably, right? And that, that's the biggest thing for me is just, like, He's going to come in unless he pushes the envelope and earns more ice time. Um, he's going to be kind of their seventh guy. Even if he plays every night, and even if he plays 23 minutes of those nights, he is better than Cody Cece, so I'm fine with that. Like, he's not much better, that but he is better. That shouldn't be the bar. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is, unfortunately. Like, that was the thing, right? It's like, everyone was like, ugh. I hate Ron Hainsey. And then, like, Kyle Dubas is like, all right, well, here's Cody Cece for you. <laughs> you think you fucking hate Ron Hainsey? And all year it's like, oh, my God, I miss Ron Hainsey. <laughs> like, you know, ugh, Cody Cece's terrible. I like the Bogosian sign. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets signed Dominic Tonato from the Fast and Furious franchise to a one-year deal uh, for $700,000. Uh, Family. Former yeah. Av star. Yeah. Uh, really? <laughs> almost have nothing to say about I don't the know guy. any. I've never heard of this guy. He played like 20 games for the Avs and it's just like he did almost nothing. Yeah, Does he? He's what's, fine. What's, like, what's his thing? Like, is he fast? Does he have hands? He, like, family per 60. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. He, uh, he drives the net hard. Like, that's, yeah. that's like all I can really say. One last ride, am I right? <laughs> All right. 
Uh, Winnipeg Jets also signed uh, Dr. Seuss's son, CJ, to a two-year deal worth $725,000. Yeah, no, I'm a, big green, I'm a big green eggs and ham guy. Like, yeah. as an English major, I think that's one of the greatest pieces of uh, fucking literature ever produced. So, yeah. uh, I, I don't see why he can't do it again. Hmm. Good. Uh, Johan Larson's I don't have a joke signs a two year deal with the uh, yeah. Arizona Coyotes at 1.4 million dollars Johan Larson to me like one of the most irrelevant players in the yeah. league like it's oh, just yeah. like he's definitely good enough to be there but he doesn't excel at anything and he he's doesn't do much for your it team shouldn't make 1.4 million yeah I don't know he's like a like a modern day like I that's how I always felt about Igor Korolev like I didn't really know what exactly he contributed mm. he's kind of like a little bit of above average size wise and then it was just like i don't know what else he really does that's how i feel about johan larson when, well when stats guys talk or about Jacob like replacement level players like he's the replacement level player yeah exactly like, he's just a guy that like you throw in there <laughs> that's exactly it yeah you know when you hear replacement level player that's the guy that's who that's him yeah yeah that's mm. him johan larson uh paul the do ladue signs a one-year deal at seven thousand dollars paul the do La do the do. Well, it's French for the do. Um, a one-year deal uh, for seven hundred thousand dollars with the Washington Capitals. Uh, Radic Faxa signs a five-year deal with the Dallas Stars at three point two five. Well, there were some trades that day, Jamo. Oh yeah, I said I'm, I'm doing the signings and we'll circle back oh, okay, to the okay, trades. Okay, okay, oh sure. yeah, yeah. Weird. Yeah, just, right. I got, we got a bull, boom, Weird. boom, boom, think, boom uh, here. Yeah, think right. the Faxa. Faxa no, I like a nice I think that's a good signing. Good signing. Uh, Faxa, yeah, I know it's good. You can fax that one in. Derek Forbert, uh, one-year wow. deal with the Winnipeg Jets, one-year, one mil. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I do mm-hmm. like that, actually. Almost no thoughts on that one for me. Yeah, but. It's... <laughs> well, they need, <laughs> they need to improve on what they had last year. Like, anyway, it's just, so. I never understood, too, like, going back to it, it's like the Jets lose all that all those defensemen a few years ago, and it's like, why didn't they re-sign Joe Morrow? And then it's like, Joe Morrow's not in the league anymore, and I don't understand what happened there, because Joe Morrow was, like, very good in Winnipeg, and then he just he's just gone. It's mm-hmm. like it's almost like he's like the rare player where teams have analytics departments, and he somehow slipped through the cracks of every team's analytics department, and also failed the eye test for everyone. And it's like, well, he was good in both regards, but I don't really. It's a weird one for me. Uh, Vladislav Nemestnikov signs a two-year deal with the Detroit Red Wings at two million dollars. Okay, got to get to the cap floor, am I right? Uh, Thomas Nosek signs a one-year deal with yeah. the Vegas Golden Knights at one point two five million dollars. Yeah, I, don't I, I, I think Tommy Nosek fucking rocks. I, I love that guy. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I like. I, I can't remember if I've said it before uh, on the show or not, but like, I, th- I have an opinion that I think Thomas Nosek is like the best fourth liner in the league because he isn't. He he shouldn't be playing above that level, but he's so good like that amount of minutes a night, and in that role, like he's he's fucking awesome. Like I love Thomas Nosek. Great sign. Uh, Tar- Thomas Yurko signs a one-year deal with the Vegas Gold Knights as well, $700,000. Uh, Danny Ronald O'Regan signs a one-year deal with the Vegas Gold Knights, $700,000. Uh, Kyle Clifford signs a two-year deal with the St. Louis Blues for $1 million per. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. I'm going to miss my sweet, sweet Kyle, the big red dog Clifford. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Hall signs a one-year deal with the Buffalo oh, Sabres at $8 million. All right, so just like another replacement level player going to Buffalo there. Um. All right, Reg, do you have thoughts? I just like I don't like why Buffalo and why only one year. I I don't. I guess it's because he's gonna play with uh, what's his name there. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the only reason, right? Because he wants to get his yeah. point totals up. Well, okay. So so here's the thing for me with the Hall signing is that so people talked about 
why would he go to a team like Buffalo that maybe isn't going to be as successful when he could have gone to a team like Montreal? Okay. So Montreal was obviously in on him. Uh, I don't know if they made like a formal offer, but obviously they were interested. The problem is that he's going to go there and play with uh, Brendan Gallagher and Philip Deneau, who are both very good players. And they both drive the play, and Taylor Hall would fit well there. But there's no guarantees that Taylor Hall is, uh, this is a hilarious thing to say, but is as good of a finisher as we think he is. Like, there's really just not a ton of proof that he, at this stage, is a fucking slam-dunk 40-goal scorer. So, to go to Montreal and play with them, I don't necessarily know that that would have been the right fit. To go to, let's say, Colorado, and and probably play with Nathan McKinnon, but maybe not, and then you're playing 17 or 18 minutes a night, and maybe you're getting yourself uh, 60 to 70 points, but... Now, if he does that, he becomes a complimentary player. He hits the open market next summer, having got 65 points in 60 games or something like that. And, like, I'm sorry, but, like, Taylor Hall in the last 24 months has not been Hart Trophy Taylor Hall. If he goes, I'm just saying, like, next year, if he hits the open market and he signed with a team where he's playing 18 minutes a night he might get looked at as that complimentary player moving forward. Because that's kind of what happened to Matt Duchesne, mm-hmm. right? So, And Matt Duchesne is just a complimentary player. Yes. So I think that was a bigger risk. The thing with Buffalo is Taylor Hall gets what he wouldn't have gotten in Montreal, which is he gets an absolute fucking star center to play with that's going to help him put up as many points as he can. And he has the guarantee of the minutes. Because there's no way Taylor Hall is playing second line in, in Buffalo. He's just not. So, I think for me, it's it's kind of perfect because I, I don't know that there were a lot of teams that could have offered him the guaranteed minutes and had the star caliber line mate to offer uh, for him. And it, it probably is money related too. Like, a, like, you know, to go back to it, like, could Montreal have afforded $8 million a year? Yeah. But, you know, the, the caliber he's going to be playing with. Could he have gone to, you know back to Edmonton and maybe played first line with Connor McDavid. Yeah, but do they have the money? Like, no. Like, Buffalo just kind of had the perfect combination of all those factors, I think. And they flew under the radar, but it it makes sense. Like, when you think about it that way, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't know that it's the right move, necessarily. But we're not going to know that until he hits the ice. Because with all of this, it's just like, he might go and play with Jack Eichel, and uh, they might be fucking horrible together. Like, I don't know. Who knows? Probably not. They're probably going to be good together. But you also got the uh, Ralph Kruger connection. Uh, yeah. Taylor Hall does, well, does love him too. some Ralph Kruger. And hey, uh, Buffalo Sabers. Like, like don't get me wrong. Like they're gambling on. Like yeah, maybe we can make a push and have a good season, and all that. But if they don't, boom, we flip Taylor Hall at the deadline, and now we're bringing in you know maybe a couple picks, a couple prospects, or what have you. And it's a win-win for both parties. Taylor can go chase his cup somewhere else if if need be. So the one-year deal makes a lot of sense in that regard. I know there was a lot of talk about, well, why wouldn't you want to grab something that you're, you know, you know where you're going to be. The guy just went from, you know, New Jersey to Arizona and out of Buffalo in the course of less than a year or so. Some salt, you know, solidity in, in terms of where you're going to be living. Well, maybe you can get that in the next contract, right? So mm-hmm. uh, win-win for both sides, I would say. 
Speaking of the Buffalo Sabres, uh, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs snabbed former Buffalo Sabres star Jimmy Vesey to a one-year yeah. deal, nine hundred thousand uh, dollars. That's great. His uh, his dad's an asshole, apparently. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely respect Jimmy Vesey for just coming out and being like, "Yeah, my dad sucks." Uh, good for him. And uh, you know what? I actually do like this signing. And like, I try not to be, I try not to be the super critical negative Leafs fan, right? There's way fucking too many of them. I try not. I try to find the positive in every move that the Leafs make. And so this is me finding a positive, but this is a very backhanded compliment here. I think Jimmy Vesey's one of the only players that the Leafs added in free agency that I am convinced can definitely play at an NHL level. Like <laughs> at least, at least I know he's an NHL forward. I don't know that with Wayne Simmons. I don't know that with Zach Bogosian. I don't know that with other players that we're going to get to in a bit. Uh, I'm pretty convinced Jimmy Vesey's still a bottom six winger in the league, and I like the signing because he's kind of cool. So he's going to go back to school with uh, Alex Kerfoot and have some good old <laughs> Harvard times. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, at that price for one year, fucking like, why not? nerds, <laughs> geeks, yeah, nerd. Are we allowed to say that on podcast? Like, isn't it like some sort of podcast? Nerds, like, yeah. Oh, like because we're nerds for having a podcast. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but like we have a hockey, we have a hockey podcast, so we're cool. Oh, you know, you know how the guys from like Spitting Chicklets are cool. No, according to, every, according <laughs> to everybody, <laughs> fucking. I work at a like. Well, James works there too, but Reg, like, we work at like I, what I would consider like a fine a fine dining restaurant. I would say. Yep. And uh, a guy comes in yesterday at like four forty five and asks if we have Pink Whitney. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's weird to me that any restaurant has that. It's literally just vodka with fucking pink food coloring in it. <laughs> you guys got pink Whitney? No. No. And then gets up and leaves like a few minutes later and blamed it on something else. Pretty sure it's because we didn't have pink Whitney. Uh-huh. Matthias Yamark sends a one-year deal with the Chicago Blackhawks at two point two five million dollars. It's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, you gotta get to the okay. cap floor, am I right? Uh, Ryan Graves, three years. Chicago. At three Chicago points. doesn't need to get to the cap floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, have got, you seen their books? They got, s- they got seven million uh, not being used on the LTIR <laughs> next year, so uh, you know that's, oh, that's, that's free. Uh, Ryan Graves. Oh, did they put him on the LTIR? They're gonna have to. I, mean, I can't play hockey anymore. Sure, he can. Oh, come on, bounce back story. He actually, there was a story that came out that he uh, apparently had like a fuck ton of injuries last year, right? And he's like, "Oh, I feel rejuvenated, and I feel like I'm ready to go." And all the Blackhawks fans are like, "Yeah, cool, Brent Seabrook's back, baby." And then someone tweeted like the response to the story. It's like, how does he explain the last three years before that? Then like, <laughs> like what? I don't care what happened last year. Where the fuck you been since 2016? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Graves, three years, $3.16 million with the Colorado Avalanche. All right, our resident uh, You guys have enough defensemen yet or what? Oh, yeah, yeah, fuck. Yeah, fuck it must up. be nice. I love it. Wow. must be nice. I'm sitting here talking about fucking Zach Bogosian and Cody Cece and Ron <laughs> Hainsey here. This guy's got fucking Ryan Graves in the press box, probably. Yeah, we don't have room for Connor Timmons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's I, terrible. I think Justin Graves, Barron's uh, only our fifteenth best defensive prospect. I think uh, I think Graves might be slightly overpaid. They might be banking a little bit on how high his plus minus was last year, which is kind of a goofy stat. But uh, I mean, when it's that far ahead of everybody you, else's on the team, you think Joe Sakic is worried about plus minus? No. Okay. No. But, like, um, at the same um, time... I, I would interject a little bit there. I think Joe Sackick is a little bit worried about plus-minus. I think the people that he has hired 
as a brain trust underneath him definitely are not. No, I, th- I think he's done a very good job hiring the right people. I to think make they have these a very decisions. good analytics department. It's my point. Yes, <laughs> I don't know how much, how fucking much Joe Sackick's like completely driving that bus. No. But um, yeah. Anyways, I don't know. He's uh, not amazing defensively, but he drives playing. He's got a hell of a wrist shot, or sorry, slap shot. So. Yeah, that that kid can fucking whack the puck for sure. So I don't mind that signing. Like to always get more D. Yeah. I like Ryan Graves. I think it's a good sign. I like it's just it's cool though. Like I just like how Colorado does this like buy low thing with all these defensemen. Like I don't necessarily know exactly how they got Ryan Graves, but I know Ryan Graves was like the twelfth best defenseman in the Rangers system, and then all of a sudden he was in. It was like he was an, on the apps. It was basically like an AHL player being traded for an AHL player sort of thing. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like we'll get there too. Like same thing with like Devon Taves, like. Mm-hmm. They trade for him, and like for for people that don't follow analytics and stuff like that, like he's sort of a relative unknown until the playoffs this year, and but he's like a good analytical player, and they kind of buy low on him, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Tyler Toffoli signs a four year deal with the Montreal Canadiens at four point two five million dollars. I have things to say. <laughs> okay. I have I have some opinions on this. Like this this is just a weird signing for me because. Uh, all right, I'll preface it by saying because I know we have Montreal Canadiens fans that listen to the show. I ultimately think this is a pretty good signing. But what's interesting to me about Tyler Toffoli is Tyler Toffoli is well known to be a very good winger who consistently drives the play, is very good at cycling, but uh, has issues scoring goals. And I realize that's a fucked up thing for me to say because people look at Tyler Toffoli as a goal scorer, but like. He, he doesn't have a ton of goals in his career. Um, I've watched, I would say, more of his games than I've not watched in his NHL career because I watched a lot of LA Kings when he was kind of coming into the league. He He's really good. But what Tyler Toffoli is is sort of like Brendan Gallagher in the sense where it's just like he doesn't have an elite shot. He uh, isn't particularly amazing at getting open to to get these opportunities. But he does drive the play quite well. Interesting that I would say that and compare him to Brendan Gallagher because Tyler Toffoli gets added to a team that has a ton of players that already have that fucking problem. None of them know how to score. They all know how to drive the play. Mm-hmm. Montreal's an incredible, uh, like, incredible play-driving team, really good analytics team that just doesn't have any finishers. And they signed one of the guys on the market that is fucking notorious for that. So, I thought it was kind of weird that they would go that direction and maybe not go for, like, a Mike Hoffman or, like, a Dadanov, someone that maybe has a little bit more finishing power. Having said that, like, I, it's not like I don't have faith in Tyler Toffoli to maybe score 30 goals. Like, he, he, he could. He's a good enough player that if he starts burying some of his shots, like, he's a pretty low shooting percentage, I feel like. I don't have it right in front of me, but he, he could score 30 goals, but I don't think he's going to. So, I think he's a good player at a very good contract, but I don't really know that he's the player that Montreal needed. So, it's kind of bizarre for me in that sense. Yeah, I kind of agree with that assessment. I just don't think he's really the right fit there, but I do think that's a really good value for a contract on him. Yeah. Like, like at its absolute worst, Tyler Toffoli is, is worth that anyway. Like, even if he only gets 15 goals, 10, 15 goals for you, he'll get more than that. But, like, you know, at, at worst case scenario, that's still a fine value for what he brings to the team. 
Uh, Yoakam Ryan, a one-year deal with the Carolina Hurricanes at $700,000. Good for them. Uh, Eric Gustafson, a one-year deal with $3 million for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. That's a more than I would have paid, spicy but... little pickup for a 60-point defenseman. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's almost like they didn't already have Shane Goss bear, and they just signed another Shane Goss bear. Shane Goss bear is so good. Uh, not particularly, but neither is Eric Gustafson. So. <laughs> uh, Brad Richardson gets one year, one mil with the National Predators. Always happy to hear he's still in the league. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Eh? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You yeah, realize yeah, it's he's Brad Richardson, like twenty-eight son, or right? like forty-two. Like I, I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would definitely uh, trade Brad Richardson for Brad Richards. I really wish he was still in the league, but whatever. We can't. You can't. Have it all. Does Brad Richards? How many cups does Brad Richards have? Two. Yeah, I think so. One with Chicago, right? Yeah, right. right. He set up that goal, the fucking the dagger, the Kane goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was sick. Uh, Lucas the Blackhawks were fucking cool, man. They used to be. They used <laughs> uh, to be yeah, fucking yeah. really cool. Luke, Lucas Walmark hopes they're still cool as he sends oh, a deal worth nine hundred fifty thousand dollars. I actually like that a lot. Yeah, I think I think Walmark's a good. It's a good player. deal. Uh, Corey Schneider gets a one-year deal to be the AHL starting goaltender with the New York Islanders. God, that guy dropped right off a cliff. Oh, well, come on. He's, he's, he's not going to play like, at the NHL level. No, I, I, so. I like the fit, though, because if he does uh, get into the net, uh, uh, the Islanders are a, a team that um, they could probably just throw anyone in net, to be honest with you, because of their system. They just are good at um, limiting the quality of shots against. And so I think for Corey Schneider, it's sort of a sheltered system for him to go into. So I think that if he does get in the net, that's a good fit for him to sort of bounce back. But I mean, he's also so old that I don't know he's going to get many more contracts beyond this one regardless. But Alex Petrangelo signs a seven-year deal worth $8.8 million with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, now, did you did you hear that Alex Petrangelo was a free agent, uh, Reg? I had no idea. No idea. It's a long way from Toronto. Yeah. Um, Vegas. I like. You know what? Interesting location for this guy to end up on. Um, a team that I think a lot of people had eliminated because of the uh, cap constraints. Where do they keep finding the money? Ah. Vegas, baby. Buried underneath the Luxor, buried on top of all the dead bodies. Wow! Well, that, yeah, that, I mean that was kind of the the implication yeah. of the Luxor <laughs> joke, but sure. Um, l- listen, like I mean, anytime a good team adds a really good player, it's a good sign. Like I, I, it's hard for me to shit on it in that sense because they add um, what oh, not on everyone. I consider Alex Petrangelo as of right now to be the, probably the second best defenseman in the NHL. And I think anytime you add a guy like that to a decor that already has another guy that I think is a top 10 defenseman in the NHL, it's great. The weird thing, though, is that you commit this dollar value to a guy who's uh, already 30-plus uh, to a decor that didn't necessarily need a guy like that on a team that's tight against the cap and very badly needs a number one center in my opinion and they've taken potential money that they could have spent on a number one center and it's now gone and they're not getting that dollar amount back anytime soon so I think it's good in the sense that they definitely get better with this signing and um, they're still a cup contending team but 
it it does take away an option for an acquisition of a, of a thing that they need and moving forward i wonder if that's something that bites them like i just wonder if they're going to be san jose where it's just like every year yeah they're fucking good and yeah every year they're going to be in the dance but mm-hmm. they might dip out a song too early yeah, I'll, uh, I'll 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 ruin it for you. This is going to come back and bite them. Yeah, yeah. It, it, if they don't win a cup like in the next two years, this is going to come back and bite them. And and that's the funny thing, right? Is like you you say that, and it's like ultimately this signing does put them closer to winning Stanley Cup. I think like it it helps a lot. Maybe you know like well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like there isn't a team in the league that has more than one of the top ten best defenseman in the league like they're the only team that has two of them so I mean that's cool but there are definitely teams that have like two or three in the top 20 or 30 and have like a good deep decor and I, like I don't know if we're gonna go three deep on Vegas like I don't know that they have the best three defensemen in the league you know what I, you know what I'm saying like if you were to like take their core of three and go like if you go with the Blue Jackets and you go Wierenski Jones Savard I guess is is maybe deeper than going Petrangelo Theodore who who McNabb maybe I guess. so like it's just one of those things are Petrangelo and Theodore good enough to offset everything else and to kind of make them that type of a decor that's just going to shut you down every single fucking night are they going to split up Theodore and Petrangelo and basically play them each like 28 minutes a night and virtually neither of them leave the ice you know what I mean the entire game yeah it's going to be fucking hard to beat them then because they're, they're like they're both really fucking good but I don't know. Like it's just, I just I don't know that it moves the needle enough for them though. Like you're right. If the, if they don't win a cup, it's gonna come back and bite them. I don't know that it moves the needle enough where I, like they're still a slam dunk cup favorite in everyone's books. They're they're my cup pick, but like uh, you know who yeah. the fuck knows. No, I, I think the when you factor in what they had to ship out to make room to bring them in, well it's, that's it's the other two thing, steps right? forward, one step back, and. I don't think you're right. I don't think it moves the needle. Uh, sorry, it moves the needle, but just not not a lot. Well, they so they they ship out Nate Schmidt, who who what is a top twenty five defenseman in the league? Like let's say Nate Schmidt's the twenty fifth defenseman, best defenseman in the league. Sure. To get the second best defenseman in the league, and that's fine. But like, are we are we are we fucking you know compiling hockey cards here? Or are we making a fucking hockey team? Like like what is going on here? I just I don't know that that extra three million dollars a year is worth that much more to them. I don't know. Like I just to, I, I keep going back to it. I don't know where they were gonna get this fucking number one center from, but that's what they needed was the number one <laughs> yeah. center. And and not only that, like I'm not saying that Paul Stasny is what he used to be, but you I need number one center. Sheen, which and used to be. and you're trading away up guy that plays the position that you desperately need so now that position is that much weaker top mm-hmm. to bottom and you move out a defenseman that's yeah not as good as Alex Petrangelo but he's going to another team within your division that's going to be maybe the best defenseman on that team like he's still really like Nate Schmidt's still a really good defenseman so like yeah. you definitely could have held on to Paul Stasny and held on to Nate Schmidt and tried to add some depth pieces and maybe have been just as much better next season as you're going to be with Alex Petrangelo. Or, uh, here's an idea, you could have moved out Nate Schmidt and moved out Paul Stasny and spent money on a number one center. Yeah. Like, that would have been the more logical route, in my opinion, to, for them to take at this point. 
they're just like that's that's where the foundational flaw is with this team. We've seen teams win championships with with a defense core that you wouldn't even put in the conversation of having one guy in the top thirty. Yeah. Net, let alone like, oh yeah, we got to make sure we have yeah. two or three guys in the top yeah. thirty. Remember the twenty seventeen Penguins, everyone? Exactly. What the? But fuck? you know what you've, Chad Rui you know what you've never seen though is a team win a cup without that fucking number one center. I can't remember the last time it's happened. Yeah, because I mean, like, even point. even if you go, like, because we don't look at him as like a super fucking dynamic, massive name or anything, but like. Ryan O'Reilly was really fucking good though a year ago. Like he was yeah. like yeah, at that point was still probably a number ten, top ten defense or centerman in the league. Like you're right. Like every team has had like sort of a dominant guy. The 07 Ducks maybe. Like when you're talking about like a twenty year old Ryan Getzlaff uh, who maybe isn't where how, he was going to be. Talk about Samuel Paulson that way. Right. Okay. I forget how Samuel Paulson. Yeah. How dare you? I talk don't know. About my sweet sweet boy. I'm not saying I have like. A team in mind where Petrangelo should have went, and you know, like that, it's a bad setting for him. Like I think he got what he was looking for in terms of a contract, and this is really smart for him. He probably made the best choice available to him. But I just, I think Vegas, like I said, if they don't win a cup in the next two years, I think they've really missed an opportunity. And this core that they've kind of put together is just going to kind of fall apart year after year as they have to ship out pieces to. Stay it's afloat. just like it's it's easy to be armchair GMs, obviously, wow. but it's one of those things where it's like you, you got it. You got to tell me that they were on the phone with New York about fucking Barzell, right? Like they they had to have looked into that at some point because the, the fact that he's unsigned, and I, I don't know necessarily that New York's going to bring him back at the number that he wants to come back at. I, who the hell knows if Matt Barzell wants to be there? I wouldn't want to be there. I'm not saying he wants out, but like. Why the fuck would you want to play there? Uh, why wouldn't you want to play in Vegas? And so, like, I feel like there would have been a fit there. You got you got to tell me they at least called and checked on him, right? Like, they have to have. And if they could have got him at just about any price via trade, like, if it would have cost them a couple first-round picks and a second-round pick to get fucking Matt Barzell, I would rather have done that than sign Petrangelo for free, essentially, because they didn't give up an asset, sort of. Like, not directly to get him. So, I don't know. It's just... It's 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 fine, like it's it doesn't make them worse. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Uh, Clark Bishop signs a one year deal with the Carolina Hurricanes oh at seven hundred thousand dollars. He loves Carolina. Yeah. Uh, Austin Charnick signs a two year deal at seven hundred twenty five thousand with the New York Islanders. Sure. Uh, Lou is not giving himself any favors with the cap situation. Uh, two years for Matt Hutton. The Matt Barzell replacement. Yeah. At seven hundred twenty five thousand, also to the New York Islanders, Casper Casquito. Who the hell is Grant Hutton? I don't know. Uh, he gets a one year deal with the National Predators, seven hundred thousand dollars. Patrick Marlowe, he's gonna go a for former it, boys. Leaves, he's gonna go for the uh, Gordie Howe record, most games yeah. played. He's got forty five games to do it, and he's got a one year deal worth seven hundred thousand dollars. So as long as there is a season that has at least forty five <laughs> games next year, I think Patrick Marlowe is gonna be. Yeah. Uh, uh, the new uh, record holder for games played. That'd be uh, pretty cool. It's a big if. Yeah, it's a big if. Uh, Matt Nieto, one year with the Sharks as well. Also, now our, our resident uh, Colorado Avalanche expert might be able to weigh in on this. It's former Colorado Avalanche uh, forward here. Uh, yeah, honestly, he's, he's good. He is good. Right, I like, like Matt he's, Nieto. He's a he's 
great fourth liner. If you need him, he can slide up to the second line sort of thing. Pretty versatile, but I'm honestly surprised that he's only getting paid 700k. I was going to say that too. Like I, I'm almost surprised that he hasn't found a way to get himself like two years at two. Yeah, like I'm not necessarily saying like Colorado was the team to pay him more money. I just think like I thought somebody was going to appreciate what he did the last couple even, of years. Even San Jose, like they want to bring him back, right? And it's like I'm just I'm surprised that they didn't throw a little bit of money. Out. Yeah, yeah. Surprising yeah. to me, but yeah, it's uh, it's a good signing for San Jose, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Aaron Dell goes to the Leafs on a one year deal at eight hundred thousand dollars. Still has to clear waivers, so that might not be a, what. A, a, yeah, he has to clear waivers if they send him down. Why? Oh, yeah. oh, if they send mm. him down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I knew that. Uh, Spencer Smallwin. I thought you meant like to put him on the active roster or something. I'm like, did you fucking play in Europe or something yeah. last year? I missed something there. Spencer Smallman gets a one-year deal with the Hurricanes at $735,000. That's not a real person. Never heard of him. Uh, Jake Allen gets a two-year extension with the Montreal Canadiens at 2.875, probably what he should be getting now. Good Always thing. good to extend a player you've never seen play a game in your jersey. Yep. Good for Jake Allen. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, yeah, that's Allen. great for Jake Allen. Work, worked yeah. out for J.G. Pajot, I'm for sure. He's just sign a guy. guy before he's ever fucking played for you. Uh, Jacobs Borrell signs a two-year <laughs> deal with the Boston Bruins at $1.45 million. <laughs> hey, you got to have a defenseman, am I right? Uh, Greg McKay gets a one-year deal with the Bruins at $700,000, as does Caleb Booth. Uh, Nick Paul gets two years at one point three five with the Ottawa Senators. Don't know who that guy is, but he's no making... former. Uh, oh, yeah, you know what? Actually, I won't deal with any Nick Paul uh, slander. Former Canadian World Junior forward. How dare ah. you? How dare you? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Like two years, maybe. Like definitely one year. I, I'm sure most of the names in this years, list but... were on that as well. No, you don't. You don't. How mm-hmm. dare you? Um, I'll tell you, the next guy wasn't. Six years. Uh, six. Six years. Uh, six hours after being told that uh, talks had broken off, Brendan Gallagher gets a six point five million dollar extension uh, for six years with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, cool. Yeah, that's great. That's good for him, I guess. They gotta. They gotta keep the guys they like, and uh, and you gotta pay those guys that you like sometimes. Like I don't, I don't know if I can know. I, I like that one. I don't know. I don't sure. think it's. Uh, I think that's right on the money. I don't think it's too expensive, but I think don't think they're like getting like any extra value out of it. I think he's worth six point five. He's a great play driver, but like Brute said earlier, we uh, that team has tons of guys on it that aren't really finishers. So to me, that kind of fits into the same category. Maybe not to the same extent as some of the other guys, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I um, I I want. I want to really, I really badly want to like Brandon Gallagher. I just, I'm a Leaf fan, and he's got a stupid fucking smirk on his face all the time, and I, 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 I hate him. But I love the way he plays hockey. I think he's like my, he's my definition of a fucking hockey player, man. Like I, I think he's fucking deadly. Um, I love this signing for Montreal. I think it's great. Um, we, so I guess we didn't address this yet. Uh, what happened was the reason why the episode's so late is we already recorded this episode, but it, it the audio got fucked up, and then we we just kind of waited to redo it. Um, and I'm kind of annoyed because I had a really good point about Brandon Gallagher that I I forget what it was. But uh, what I will say about him, uh, and what I did say about him the last time we did this episode was that I think it's possible that Brandon Gallagher is not great in six years. I think it's very possible that by the end of this contract, he he sucks. That's very. very uh, you possible. can make that argument with literally any six-year deal, but like I just I don't know if Brandon Gallagher is the type of player that ages well. Like he's a smaller player that plays a physical game, and usually those guys are very fast. And Brandon Gallagher's not slow, but he's not an exceptional skater either. Like he's he's fine. He's he's fairly average to slightly above average. 
Um, so I think it's entirely possible that by the end of this deal, he, he sucks. But I would say that now I think he is worth more than $6.5 million to the Montreal Canadiens. I think he's the best forward that they've had in a very long time. And, um, I, I think it's a great valuation there. So, um, they get him at a, at a good cap hit, but they also might not love the deal by the end of it. It's, it's impossible to say, but I, I'm a little skeptical uh, but I think as of right now, that's the right dollar amount for him. I like the signing. Mark Bergevin uh, continually uh, making me question his existence and then does something like that. Like, I just don't. I don't fucking know what to make of Mark Bergevin. He's the weirdest the GM in the still league. still the GM of that team. Yeah, he's fucking bizarre. Because every once in a while, he makes an unbelievable move, though. Yeah. And it's oh, almost right. like he does it by accident. Like, I don't get it. But, like, I don't know. He's fine. Uh, he was uh, responsible for bringing in Devin Dubnik. Yeah, Shea Weber. Yeah, uh, Evgeny Dadnov gets three years with the Ottawa Senators at five million dollars per. Nice signing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really good signing. Yeah. I I think Dadnov is worth about a million more and probably could have got a couple more years if he wanted, even though he's like older. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's a great signing for Montreal or for Ottawa. I think that um, they don't have. It's kind of weird to say this with Dadnov because he's only been in the league for like three years, but. Um, they don't have a lot of experience up front either. And I think that him being from from Russia, uh, coming over later, and just having, having had the career that he's had in the league kind of thing, I think he can offer a lot of experience too to these young guys. So he, he comes in, he's in a leadership role off the bat, and uh, doesn't have a lot of pressure on him because it's a low-risk deal. I, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think that's a great signing for Ottawa for sure. Uh, I almost wonder just like if this wasn't the year that it is and the cap floor is staying where it is, like does he get more term or more like pay somewhere yeah. else? I mean, like he, he strikes me as a as a six two five by five. Yeah, like I, I just feel I mean? like this is because of the situation he's in. He kind of had to yeah. take a little bit of a pay cut, but I don't know how much he's I, th- I still think that's great for five though, even right. Well, that's just it, right? So, like, yeah, hundred percent, and and it's a it's a thing too, right? Like, because uh, Mike Hoffman's still unsigned, and the the report came out this morning where it's just like Mike Hoffman's getting offered nothing but bargain deals, and it's like, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't want Mike Hoffman because that's that's for off ice issues, but like, isn't it like ninety six percent of like the league's cap money is already spent? It's possible. Like, like I remember the number being. I, w- out I there wouldn't doubt that. It's at high, all. like. It's like there's not a lot of pennies left to go around here. So. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, during during the season, it's never any less than eighty percent, right? So, like, when you think of it that way, too, it's it's always got to be above eighty. But uh, ninety six is a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's close to a hundred, and that's all of this percent. That's all. That's all. <laughs> that's all of the percent. All, all the percent. Like that's every go, percent. Can't go more than that. No. Nope. Uh, Tony D'Angelo gets two years at four point eight million with the. New ah, York my guys. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Good hockey player. Yeah, he's he's a good player. It's he's it's fine. a good signing. Like it's um um I don't I don't think that he's particularly amazing either. Like I think this is the right dollar evaluation for him for what he offers. He's just not anything special defensively. So you get a little bit of risk with him. He's he's uh Tyson Berry with with uh not all of the upside. So Yeah, I th- I think it's a little bit of a high cap hit personally, but it's it's not a bad contract. Like on the guys he's pretty good. 
Uh, Alexander Georgiev gets a two-year deal from the Rangers as well at 2.425. Good number. I yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. Like saving Georgiev. some money. You're moving out, uh, moving on from Henrik, so you know you're going to save a little bit of money net. and He's going to play half the games, so that, that's good. Uh, the Hurricanes with a trio of signings, one year, $700,000, all for Sheldon Rample, David Gust, and Jeremy Bracco. I'm told they're real players. Uh, Andrew 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 Mangiapane gets two years at 2.425 with the Calgary Flames. I, I mean, there are people who listen to this podcast just waiting for me to say it. I fucking love my Manja cake, man. That's my guy. I, I love Mangiapane so much. I, I'm sad about this deal because I want him in blue and white very badly. Um... But yeah, no, it's a great signing yeah. for for Calgary. Like he he's a very good little player. This isn't even just my bias talking. Like he's he's very productive. Um, I do sort of wonder. I mean, he's not that young, but I wonder if he's maybe going to be a bigger part of their core moving forward too. So I do think that at that cap hit, if he takes a step forward this year, which he might, that's that's a great signing. So. Um, I like it a lot for Montreal. I I am Calgary. Uh, sorry for Calgary. Yeah, yeah I've been. I've been. No, we just talked about Montreal all day. So, um, I I am on record of being a pretty big Brad Tree Living fan, and I think he's just killing it yeah. for the most part lately. Uh, yeah, that's a big fan's dad. Good, good signing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's his brother, I think. Right. It was his dad. Well, maybe his dad started it and his brother yeah. owns it now, but it's, it's definitely his brother owns it. Mm. But uh, the tree livings. Uh, Rudolph's Balsers gets a one-year deal That's worth seven hundred thirty-five thousand oh, yes. with the Ottawa Senators. The key piece of the Eric Carlson trade. Of uh, Gabriel Carlson gets two years uh, at seven hundred twenty-five thousand with the oh, Columbus okay. Blue Jackets. Uh, getting paid more than our next guy, which is forty-one-year-old uh, Joe Thornton, uh, seven hundred thousand dollars one year with the Leafs. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Tell the world I'm coming home. Let the yeah, like is, is I honestly, Thomas home, London, I think, but yeah, like like that's the weird thing, right? Like if basically if you're from Ontario and you're not uh, from Thunder Bay or Ottawa, you're from Toronto. <laughs> I, I t- you can only be from three places in Ontario. You're I, either from Thunder Bay, Ottawa, or Toronto. I told the guy we work with who's from London that um, Joe Thornton was coming to the Leafs. He's like, oh yeah, good London boy. And this guy flipped out. He's like, nope, not from th- St. Thomas. St. Thomas, not the same as London. No, <laughs> nope, fuck you, fuck that. Not the same place. Okay. <laughs> All right. Joe Thornton, not from London, apparently. No, he's, he's coming home. Yeah. He's coming home. Cool. Like He's coming home in the sense that, like, since he was 21 years old, everyone's been like, ah, he should go to the Leafs one day, right? Because, like, anytime there's a good player, it's like that meme with the fucking emoji is for me. And it's, like, pointing with the fucking blushing face there. Like, that's kind of how things are with the Leafs. If you're a good player and you're from Canada and you're you're from Ontario, you got to come play for the Leafs at some point, right? Joe Thornton's one of those guys. got to come play for the Leafs. So, uh, 20 years in the making and he's finally fucking there. So, the long and winding road, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't can't wait for him to put up thirty five points all season and thirty two of them on the power play. Yeah, I I mean like less than optimistic, but I gave at work uh, the other day my my um, line score prediction for Joe Thornton: forty four games played, uh, one goal, ten assists. But I'm good with that. 
I'll take it. <laughs> okay. I don't give a fuck. I, I honestly think he does a little bit better than that. Yeah. I don't think okay. he does amazing or anything, yeah. but like, I think he's still, I think I'm just know... scarred from Eric Lindros, <laughs> and even that wasn't as bad as people remembered being. Like, he had like 25 points in 30 games, but... Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously the guy's slow now, the hands aren't there like it used to be. Slow like, now? He's always been slow. Yeah. Like, small, yeah. I mean, <laughs> exceptionally slow it's, now. It's real bad now, uh, yeah. <laughs> And he's not driving play like he used to, but he still makes those passes, man. He's still a good setup guy. And if you're if he gets power play time on the second unit, I wouldn't oh, uh, I wouldn't doubt that he he gets some uh, gets some points there. See, that's the one thing where it's like first unit. I I think he's got to be on the first. Yeah. Unit. Like I just uh, like I I I hate talking bad about him, but I don't I don't think that they need Mitch Marner on that first power play. Unit. You do like not. I just don't. I, I think Nylander and Tavares and Matthews work so well together. The only thing I would say with that unit, again, I hate shitting on the Leafs players because I love them all. I don't think Morgan Riley should be on the power play. And honestly, I would run Marner and have a five-man forward unit and put Thornton there is what I would do. I'm not saying it would work. But <laughs> be terrifying. The, you're lying up, like somehow the fucking play goes down the ice and they get like a, a defensive zone face off power play. You got Joe Thornton and Mitch Marner lining up as your defenseman. <laughs> well, what are you gonna do? Put Nylander back there? <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he's gotta take the face off, James. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I like. Obviously, I like the signing. Like, I think, I think it's great. Yeah, oh yeah, I think it's I a do, good signing. I do think at its absolute worst, he offers uh, that level of leadership. That um, apparently, it's insulting to say that the Leafs need that leadership. But um, first team ever to have too much leadership. Actually, ah, fucking. I, I'll say this, man. Like, you know, everybody's got a talent. Steve Simmons is exceptional at finding something to complain about. Exceptional. Big fan. He's a fucking uh, asshole. Nolan Patrick gets one year, eight hundred seventy-four thousand with the Philadelphia Flyers. Prove What's, me. Prove. So, I, I like the signing. Uh, do do we too. know? Do we know why everyone signs for uh, eight seventy-four? Is that like a tax thing or something? Because like, there's tons of deals where it's eight seventy-four. Travis Dermott was eight seventy-four. Like, I don't get it. Like, tons of guys signed for 874. It's not like you don't see a bunch of like 832s. Yeah, there's a very specific 874 all the time. It's a very common cap number and I don't know why yeah it must be something with like taxes if you get to like the 875 mark. yeah yeah. Or may, yeah maybe service time gets affected by that too like your your uh, RFA rights or something maybe I don't know they're weird uh, Joey Dackard gets three years at $750,000 with the Ottawa Senators I don't know who that is three years sure, sure. good for him I guess is that an entry level deal maybe uh, is that why maybe okay uh, Cody Cece gets a one-year deal from the Pittsburgh Penguins to play hockey. Uh, $1.25 million. He will be missed. <laughs> Not by me so much, but he will be yeah, missed. Glad to see he's still in the league somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, like, here's the thing with Cody Cece. I always felt bad shitting on him because apparently he's a really good dude. But, uh, fuck him. Like, I don't I don't care. He's terrible. Jim Rutherford needs a few uh, CCs or something else, I think. Jim Ooh. Rutherford is fucked, man. <laughs> <laughs> like... Can someone take the keys away from him? Like, I don't understand how when he gets to his age, he's got to do a driving test every year, but he's also just, like, trusted to run an NHL team. Like, no one questions that. Guy's got to fucking, like, do a fucking driver's driving test every year to make sure that he can still operate a vehicle. But no, he's definitely qualified to still run an NHL team. There's no need to question that. 
He's also not at the age where he needs to do the driver's test, but I thought it was a funny joke. <laughs> Matt Grizzlick gets four years at $3.6875 million per. Right. Another yeah. common cap number. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's good. I think Matt Grizzlick's really good. No, they got to have somebody play defense, right? Yeah. It's a fine contract. Tyson Yost gets one year at $874,000. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Our like, resident Colorado Avalanche. At expert. no point has he lived up to expectations, but I'm just a no big shit. fan of the guy. Like, I love seeing him on the team. He big has fan flashes of, of brilliance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Big fan of his grandpa. He has flashes of brilliance. Like, every once in a while, like, it looks like he's going to be that, like, he could be a second-line center type guy, and it only sticks around for, like, a game or two. And then he's just back to being Tyson Jost again. He had a great stretch after playing in the AHL for like 17 games last year. He played, came back for the playoffs. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. He scored like three goals against San Jose. He was great. But okay. uh, you know, I like him. Like he's got a really great story. So I want all the success for him in the world. I, I have you, you guys ever noticed how like every few years someone gets drafted and they're like, oh, you know what? This guy has the potential to be the next Jonathan Taves. And then all those guys turn out to be, like, incredibly average hockey players. It's like Nick Patan <laughs> yeah. was the same thing. It's like Nick Patan is the next Jonathan Taves. And it's like, wow, okay, so he's going to be one of the greatest captains in NHL history and guaranteed, like, win several cups. And, ah, no, he's, like, the 16th best forward on the Leafs. But, you know, well, he's better than that. But, but he's on the Leafs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, J.C. Bowden well, gets... Uh, that's my controversial Leaf pick, or my opinion, is I, I think Nick Patan should be in the lineup next year based on who they've added. Like he's better than Wayne Simmons. <laughs> Fucking Nick Patan should be playing. Like, what are we doing here? J.C. <laughs> Bodan gets one year for $700,000 at the Ottawa Senators. Former Av. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Please go off. Yeah, we're our resident Avs expert. Yeah, he, uh, I don't even really think he ever cracked the NHL lineup. He was in our system forever. Like, oh, I've never yeah. heard of him. Stephen Fogarty of uh, CCR gets one year $700,000 with the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. <laughs> Kristen Fisher gets two years at $1 million for the Arizona Coyotes. I not that at all, yeah. He's a good player. Jace, not quite uh, Dale Howard Luck, gets one year $800,000 with the van. Horrible. Keegan Colossar gets two years, $1.45 million for the Vegas Golden Knights. Good for him. I have his hockey card. He's had a tough year. I'm happy he's getting some money. Uh, Adam Gaudet gets one year $950,000 and was uh, removed from having his jersey number again. So uh, that's that's a tough week for him. That's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not a bad sign. I like under under $1 million, yeah. yeah. Ian McCaution gets one year $700,000 from the Minnesota Wild. Oh, the Wild have another defenseman that I've heard of. Mm. That's cool because there's only like two or three of them. So Joachim Nordstrom four, gets one year $700,000 with the Calgary Flames, if you say so. Uh, Carson Kuhlman gets two years, $1.45 million from the Boston Bruins. That's definitely a guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heard of him. Uh, Ilya Mikhaev gets uh, two years at $1.645 uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, uh, I forgot that happened, actually. I, I, yeah, I'm a really big fan. So, yeah, I'm down. They could have given him $7 million a year. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I no, they, actually, I they couldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I gotta run the numbers for you there, my guy. No, I I love Ilya Mikhaev. I think uh, uh, he's just he's everything I like in in a hockey player. Pretty much like he's a just big body, skates super well. He's very good defensively. He's got flashes of brilliance offensively. Uh, seems to be a good team guy from from the English that I understand. Um, yeah, he's great. 
Uh, Nick Merkley gets one year at the coveted $874,000 mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scott okay. Wilson gets Hell one yeah. year at $700,000 for the Florida Panthers. Zach Sanation, sure, gets one Whoa, year at $700,000. I don't know who that is. That's one, of the, that's one of their th- famous three first-round picks from uh, that draft there where they could have taken Matt Barzell and Thomas Shabbat, and they took fucking Zach Sanation mm. and Jacob Zaboral, and I forget. I don't even remember who the third guy was. Jeremy Lausanne, maybe, was the third guy. Sure. It's either him or DeBrusque. Like it wasn't. Okay. A, it wasn't an amazing pick. Uh, Chris Russell, who apparently is an RFA, gets oh. one year at one point two five million from RFA? the Edmonton. God, God, there's no way. mistake. Um, <laughs> with the Edmonton Oilers to block more shots. I. Uh, and the best part is for the listeners was I referring to that's a mistake as like the RFA part of it or the actual contract signing itself? Who's Ooh. to say? Yeah, easily applicable to both. He he is awful. Like awful, but uh, I guess you gotta you gotta like try to try to convince Seattle to take someone, I guess. But like, why not try to convince them to take a slightly better player? You know what I mean? Because if they don't take them, then you still have this guy. And then the amazing part about this is like, not only did they do this to try to expose him for the expansion draft, they gave him over a million dollars to play hockey in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's awful. So uh, weird, really. Really bad. I would say it's a very bad move. The uh, the can't miss Swiss Jonas Siegenthaler gets one year yeah. eight hundred thousand. Like he's better. <laughs> like he's yeah. way better. He got eight hundred thousand dollars. Connor Brown gets three years, three point six million from the Ottawa Senators. Good for him. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love so. downtown Connor Brown. That's my fucking guy. I Brown love cow. that guy. Let's go. So yeah, yeah. Brown Cow. I I miss him very much. I don't necessarily want him back, but I miss him. Um, I like the days when we had an ass, a goat, and a, a cow on the fourth line. It was it was fantastic. Yeah. No, we don't have any of them. No, we don't it's have any of them. It's all gone. The no, farm the, is closed. The glory. <laughs> Babcock Farms now out of business. <laughs> Barnyard Babs. Oh, yeah. Barnyard Babs. <laughs> the old nickname. It's, they've been calling him since his fucking McGill days. <laughs> Group on the farm, you know. Uh, um, Antoine Bebo, former Leaf and Abs. Yes, oh yeah, right. uh, <laughs> Now, what kind of animals Bebo? Like, where does he fit on the farm? What was he? He was. He was, like he was just one of the sheep, I guess. Eh? I was gonna say, he felt more like a bird, some sort of bird. Just a chicken, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like a cow being led to the slaughter. Um, <laughs> one year, seven hundred thousand. Sorry, I did lie. Yeah, they Carolina did get a goal. Got a goal. Oh ah, yeah, honest. Hey, fuck, who knows? He could be better than some of the other goalies they've got. It's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, whatever. Jake Vertanen gets two years at 2.55 with the Vancouver Canucks. You can relax, Vancouver fans. Can you? Hmm. Dominic Simon gets one year, $700,000 with the Calgary Flames. Uh, Dmitry Kulikov. Oh, uh, sorry. I, I, I love that. I didn't know that Dominic Simone was a uh, free agent till he signed that deal. And I'm kind of pissed off at Kyle Dubas for not signing Dominic Simone because uh, he's another one. He's worth more than 700k, and uh, y- yeah, like this is a, probably a top nine forward for Calgary. Who? Like he's good. <laughs> he's good. Drives play, very solid player. So, huh. okay, yeah, um, yeah. Dmitry Kulikov gets one year, one point one point one five with the New Jersey Devils. He is uh, bad. <laughs> So he's, are they. He's he's not very good anymore. Dennis Gurianov gets two years at two point five five a million with the Dallas Stars. That's 
almost a hundred thousand dollars per goal he scored in the playoffs. So that, I that's think, good. Uh, yeah, I think he's a good player. Yeah, he's yeah, a I like. Good player. Your, I honestly like. thought he was going to get paid a little bit more than that, but yeah. RFA is you know that guy squeezes got a, on. Yeah, yeah, it is. Can have a shot. Oh yeah, I love him. Louis Belpedio is one year seven hundred thousand dollars for the Wild. Yeah, the Wild are having a great offseason, you know. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, Travis Dermott and the eight hundred seventy-four thousand dollars contract that with Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I, I I love it. I I I'm on record for being a, a pretty big Travis Dermott fan, especially like the back half of last season. Um, yeah, should be making probably twice as much as Zach Bogosian is, but well, you know. and even on top of that. Uh, like it's entirely possible that Travis Dermott is like the the third best defenseman on that on that blue line. So, I mean, maybe not, but like I, I depends how much of a step forward Sandine takes. But. I don't know how good TJ Brody's going to be either. Like he he might. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the, yeah. The, Le- <laughs> the Leafs did a thing this uh, this off season. I like that more and more every day. The TJ Brody signing. Honestly, I'm kind of excited about that, but. Um, yeah, uh, I, I loved I love Dermot. I want. There was a lot of talk of them moving on from him because I, they didn't know if they were going to get him signed to this number, and I was very very opposed to the idea of moving on from Travis Dermot at this point. I want to see one more year of him because the argument of everyone being like, "Well, he is what he is." Well, I don't like Morgan Riley wasn't fucking incredible until he was like twenty four either. So maybe give him another year, you know. Uh, Nikita Nesterov back in the NHL, uh, like one-year deal, seven hundred thousand dollars for the Calgary Flames. I like, I like Nikita Nesterov. I like this. Yeah, uh, nice. the Flames are having a nice little week here as they pick up Josh Levo as well at a one-year oh, eight hundred seventy-five thousand. Now, guy. now again, Levo goes for the eight seventy-five. So interesting Ooh, there. You know that puts right. him in a different bracket. <laughs> uh, mind it's a games. different tax bracket for yeah. Josh Levo. Mind well, games. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I was even going to make a joke about him maybe having saved up all his money, but he lived in Vancouver for a few years, so I don't know how much yeah, money he Yeah, and was underpaid really uh, annually by the Leafs, so. <sighs> See, like, Bab- like, Babs is gone. Why don't we bring back Levo? You know? Come back. Come home. I like to sign him for Calgary, though. I, I obviously, uh, there's no more average player in the league that I'm a bigger fan of as than Josh Levo, so, uh, yeah. His quest to play for every Canadian team is still alive. I fucking hope he doesn't. Sam Reinhardt gets one year, five point two million from the Buffalo Sabers. There, all there must always be one. The Sam, the, the Reinhardt rule. Yeah, yeah. What are the other two up to? <laughs> Linus Allmark gets one year, two point six from the Buffalo Sabers as well. A busy little day for them. Uh, <clears throat> I guess he stops bucks. Uh, Chris Tierney gets two yeah, years at three point five from the Ottawa Senators. Good for him. Sure. Yeah. Fine. Lou Lamarello went uh, a little mad here. He signed Mitch Vanden Sompel, Parker Witherspoon, AJ Greer, and Josh Hosang. Those aren't real names. Um, Former to... Av, AJ Greer. Oh, yeah, go. our resident Avs expert. Uh, Again. What do you have to say about AJ Greer? He, He's not very good. He uh, right? played a handful of games in the NHL. He was not very good there. He had a bit of flash in the AHL. He has decent neither more hands. nor less limbs than typical. Exactly. And then he got in some sort of like bar fight and uh, he was suspended right. from the team for a while or some right. shit. Right. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they kind of wanted to distance themselves, so they just like I don't think they resigned him this year. I mean, he's a he's a a big boy, but he is a big guy. It's quite possible, yeah. 
speaking of the uh, New York Islanders, Devin Taves sends a four-year deal with the Colorado Avalanche at $4.1 million. There we go, avoiding arbitration. I think that's a pretty reasonable amount for the guy. I mean, as far as I understand, I haven't watched a ton of his games, mostly from the playoffs last year. But uh, good offensively, good play driver, good defensively, not very good on the power play. That's about his only fault. So okay. I, I don't mind that at all. Stock up the D. Let's get ready yeah, for a cup run here. No, I like they're going to play ten defensemen each night. But uh, oh well, I mean, with you. all the injuries they had this year, and all True. the you know, they're getting ready for that scenario yeah. again. Uh, Philip Schlepik gets one year, seven hundred thirty-five thousand dollars from the Ottawa Senators. I like, I like that kid. I, oh, I, sure. I, yeah, hmm. I think there might be something there. Okay, okay. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi gets one year, three point five million from the Detroit yeah. Urbans. Hey, you got to the cap floor, am I right? Uh, Jansen Harkins gets two years, seven hundred twenty-five thousand oh, yes. from the Winnipeg Jets. Yes. This is the Josh Levo of the Jets for me. Like I just, <laughs> wow. I fuck. Well, actually, no. I, I was gonna say maybe Andrew Kopp is, but Andrew Kopp is like actually an NHL forward and gets recognized as one, whereas Josh Levo, I guess, didn't in Toronto. I love Jansen Harkins. That that's just an awesome fucking story of like just pure hard work. Um, when he got that goal in the playoffs, like that was just deadly. Like I, I, I like him a lot. Um, I hope to see him often in in the lineup for the Jets. That'd be cool. Uh, Hayden Fleury gets two years at one point three million from the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they know what they're doing. That's Hurricanes okay. Smart. Uh, I, I don't mind that. Yeah. Eric Tulski. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk gets a one-year deal at 1.05 from the Ottawa Senators. Uh, hey, you got to hit the cap floor, right? Uh, I will die on the hill that Alex Galchenyuk is better than we give him credit for, and I realize I'm looking more and more wrong as time goes on, but I don't care. Maybe he'll have the uh, Anthony Duclair season in Ottawa. Who Let's knows? go. Uh, Let's Ryan, go. Ryan McInnes gets one year from the Columbus Blue Jackets. I have no idea how much money because TSN does not update their site. Now, all... <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Is that That's Al's son, isn't it? Yeah, that is. Okay. Oh. Okay. Cool. Oh, I, li- uh, I like it then. Sure. <laughs> Victor Olofsson gets two years, 3.05 from the Buffalo Sabres. I think that's actually a pretty decent yeah, It's not that's fine. I like Olofsson. It's okay. Uh, Colton, not Colin, White gets one year from the New Jersey Devils for $700,000. I think Colin White's out of the league, my guy. Yeah. Uh, just because, you know, I played for New Jersey. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Sammy Niku and his long, long hair gets two years and $725,000 from the Winnipeg Jets. Not an amazing player, but really likes Sammy Niku. Don't really know why. I just, want, just, uh, just uh, a fan of the guy. He needs to be given more of an opportunity, I think. He needs he actually a is. haircut. No, I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> I used to have long hair. He, I, like, the Jets just love keeping around guys that I really like, you know? It was just, man. Other than Joe Morrow, they, they keep around everybody I like. Yeah, well. Uh, his wife posted an Instagram picture of, like, Big Buff scoring a goal the other day, and I was really sad for a little while afterwards. Michael Hutchinson gets two years at $725,000 for the Toronto Maple Leafs. baby. Yeah. The playoff king. Yes, yeah, exactly. Looked real good for the Avs. Oh, looked great. Yeah. Got, got him that deal with the Leafs again. Yeah, no kidding. Kept his career alive. Uh, yeah, like you got <laughs> hey, to cover your goaltending requirements. Like, if Anderson and Campbell both blow out a knee next year, I would like to have Michael Hutchinson yeah. the fucking system. This, you know what I mean? Is, like, I'm fine with that. This is strictly that. the Seattle Kraken Well, that too, move. yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things, right? Like... You know, like even if they even if they don't take Hutch, like if if for some reason everything does not go as planned, 
and you enter next year with Campbell and Hutch as your goalies, like next next year, I mean, you know, like, at least you have that position sort of looked after, so it's not like a huge, huge concern, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying there, I don't think they're re-signing Anderson. Kyle Burroughs gets one year from the Colorado Avalanche, another defenseman, because, you sure, know, yeah, why not, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Guillaume Brisebois gets one year from the uh, Vancouver Canucks, that's good for him. Joey Anderson, former Team USA World Junior Captain, gets three years at $750,000 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's go. I think that's all of the signings. I'm trying to like I'm trying to like rank the order in which I'm excited for the new Leafs this year, but it, it might go. Am I am I most excited about Thornton? I guess I'm excited about Thornton. Thornton, Brody, and then Joey Anderson. I think that's that's the order I would put it in, hmm. and then everyone else. Hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. So those are the new signings. Um, all right, uh, on to the trade market. Uh, going back to October 10th, we've got the National Predators. There's not going to be much to say with these trades. No, it's going to be no. five minutes. National Predators pick up Colorado's fourth-round pick from the Ottawa Senators in exchange for Austin Watson. Austin Watson can get fucked. Yeah. That's all I have to say. That yeah. Guy, that guy sucks, man. <laughs> it's what, it's one of those things <laughs> okay. where, where uh, ha- now knowing what we know about what happened with the off-ice incident a few years ago, I'm not going to sit here and... Um, speak speak ill of Austin Watson. Uh, all I would say is that I hope everything is alright in his personal life and I wish him the best in Ottawa. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks get Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm from the Colorado Avalanche for Brandon Saad uh, at 16.7% retained and Dennis Gilbert. Um, Avs fan, thoughts? I mean, like, I know Saad's not what he used to be, and Dennis Gilbert for uh, Lindholm is basically, like, just an AHL swap. Those guys don't really matter. Yeah, Lindholm was never playing again for the Avs. But uh, Zadorov at this point, I think, he's just, he's not the player that people thought he was going to be. He's never going to be the player that a lot of people thought he was going to be. I don't really mind this trade, especially with the glut of defensemen that the Avalanche already have on the blue line. Oh, right. So uh, yeah, personally, I th- I think that's uh, I think that's a good trade for the Avs. I think Saad at at minimum, I mean, he's only around for uh, for the year. I think is what's left on his contract or whatever. Oh, yeah. So you only have him for a year. Uh, he, like at worst, he'll play as like one of the better third liners in the league, probably. Like it is what it is. I don't really mind that, and I think they had to get Zadorov out eventually. So uh, Andreas Janssen gets flipped to the Devils in exchange for Joey Anderson, going back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, can't well, move. I just like the the type of player that they chose to trade Janssen for. I there's potential. He's a young player. He's hard worker. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Uh, sounds like my kind of guy. I'm I'm actually quite like I said. I'm quite excited to see him in Toronto. Um, I I love Andreas Janssen, but I just there's no uh, the Leafs have surpassed their need for an Andreas Janssen. So. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but they've definitely surpassed their need for a $3.4 million like third liner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a third liner that doesn't fit on your third line either. Like, that's the problem, right? Well, like, he doesn't fit in your bottom six, but you you don't really need him in your top set. Like, the Leafs, they just don't need him. Like, they just he just doesn't fit on the team anymore. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, 
Kyle, I wish them all the best. Kyle Burrows uh, and AJ Greer, two guys we talked about getting signed, got swapped uh, from the Avs and the Islanders, respectively. Uh, AJ Greer, of course, in that famous uh, bar fight mentioned uh, just recently. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very uh, famous. They then hook up a day later, once again, bringing Devin Taves over to Colorado in exchange for two second round picks. Now, this this was the trade right here. Yes, like, this is the, the trade. The sod one was, you know, that was good. I enjoyed it because, uh, again, I think Zadorov was on the way out anyways. But this one, I think, was actually a very good trade for the Avs. Like, who cares about their second-round pick next year and the year after, whatever. De- Devin Taves is, a, is already legitimately, like, as good as you're going to get with one of those picks, right? Like, yeah, if you hit on one of them, you know? And you're probably not going to hit on both. Like, especially, I know the Avs drafting, they rarely hit on their second round picks. Like, there have been, like, one draft in the past 10-ish years where, like, they got a lot of guys from a lot of rounds. They're mostly a first round team. They get guys out of the first round, and that's usually the guys they get. Every once in a while, you know, second rounders, but I I, I don't mind that at all. I think that's a very good uh, pickup, and now knowing what he's been signed for, I think it's a good, good signing for them, too, so... Uh, and the uh, Vancouver Canucks bring in Nate Schmidt and his $5.95 million contract from the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for a third that round That is a pick. very nice trade for Vancouver. Yeah. Third round is like, what, what are you even thinking? A third round pick for that guy? Yeah. We talked about it because like, James was uh, like made the remark that um, like just like how, how could Vancouver bail out Vegas like that and just like the whole thing is like Vancouver um, like obviously could use a, a Nate Schmidt so like that's the first thing it's like it's not like they're taking on a bad contract they're taking on like one of the top 25 defensemen in the league like we were talking about earlier and uh, the whole thing of like maybe other teams were kind of bidding and this is where the bidding war got to and teams weren't willing to to maybe give up a bigger asset than that um, for the contract that Nate Schmidt has, because we did talk about guess, how all I this money's true, locked yeah. up. Like, I just, I think it's a weird situation where even though he's really good, I don't know if there was a market for Nate Schmidt all of a sudden, and uh, Vancouver might have won the very limited bidding war that there was. Like, I don't, I, you know what I mean? I don't know because, yeah. like, a, as a Leaf fan, like, I would have rather have Nate Schmidt for almost a million dollars more a year than what, you know, than TJ Brody. You know what I mean? But. Maybe it just, I don't know. You never know how these things work out. Yeah, I guess that's fair enough. I hadn't really, I wasn't really considering the contract. So that yeah. that is a good point, yeah, especially in the market right now. It's a good contract. It's just like, you know, in the reality is not every team can afford to take on no. $6 million. No. Especially just, after they went a little crazy during free agency. Right? It's one of those things, though, for me where, like, this trade, I don't know, like, this is a few weeks ago, so I, I don't know if people are going to remember or not. But the, this happens after the Petrangelo signing. Because they signed the guy, and then it's like, hey, now we don't have the money to pay everybody on our roster. And, yeah, the Vancouver Canucks need Nate Schmidt, and they could use a defenseman of that quality, and the price tag wasn't too high, so it makes sense for Vancouver. And my point at the end of the day is is not so much that I'm, I'm upset that Vancouver made the trade, because it, it, it's smart. It was, a, it was a good move for them. My issue lies in the idea that there's too many people lining up to help out the team on the other side of the fence. We're, we're so quick to help out when my opponent is in trouble, where, like, you could have had the entire league sit in their hands and then Vegas has to sit Alex Petrangelo in his $8.8 million contract because they're over the cap. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
I, yeah, I kind of there, agree. With I, that. I know it's never going to happen, but I think it's just ridiculous that we're allowing teams to do things, and at the same time, we're offering a, a you know a life jacket while they're drowning. And well, you no, know, the idea is to beat them, guys. Like, let them drown. Well, yes, and like, and then now this is reminding me because we did have this conversation last time. You made that point, and then my counterpoint is that, like, I I think at the end of the day, if you can't bet on your team, then you shouldn't be a general manager. You shouldn't be in the fucking business. And so, my thought is that Vegas, or sorry, Vancouver, feels better about themselves with Schmidt. And are not going to worry so much about what the other teams are doing. Because they should be confident in the fucking product that... Jim Benning should be confident in the product that he put together. He's the one who fucking put it together. So he should think that Nate Schmidt makes a big enough difference to him. And not fucking worry about what how this affects Vegas at all. Like he's worried about his roster and worried about beating them. And he thinks that Nate Schmidt on his team is going to help them beat Vegas in the fucking playoffs. So to me... You know, this is, like, I don't see it. I I get your point, but I don't give a fuck what anyone else is doing. I care about what's going to make my team better, and this makes their team better. A lot. A lot better. Like, Nate Schmidt, I I don't really know where I put Quinn Hughes yet. So Mm -hmm. I think Nate Schmidt is their best defenseman on their roster. Okay, yeah. And it might not be this year, but last time I saw both those guys play hockey, Nate Schmidt is their best defenseman. Yeah. And it's a huge get. No, and, and like and, Which said, is like, funny because that actually uh, makes Nate Schmidt the best defenseman in the history of the Vancouver Canucks because Quinn, possibly, Hughes, Quinn yeah. Hughes already is. So. No, and again, like you're right. Like I said, this is not Vancouver versus Vegas. You're right, me. though. Like, this it shouldn't is, be this helping is this the team. NHL versus Vegas. That's that's where I go back. Like that's That was my criticism with Paul Stasny to Winnipeg, right? It's just like that... Mm-hmm. That was a bigger example of Winnipeg sure. bailing out because, like, they could have got Paul Stasny for nothing. They could have got Paul Stasny, uh, like, they could have waited for Vegas to buy him out and signed him. They could have made Vegas give them a pick to take Paul Stasny. Of course, they wanted Paul Stasny because they know him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Too many, uh, too many of these tips and moves that I just I, I boggle my mind. Not, not so much the Nate Smith thing, Vancouver. Just the idea yeah, of I get it. Everybody trying to help each other out and play nice in the sandbox. Fuck you, it's my sandbox. Um, okay, so a couple things to get to before we move on. Uh, we've got uh, some interesting developments uh, happening outside of the NHL. Uh, first, that we're going to talk about the OHL banning body checking uh, for the upcoming season. Now, this this was more so the Ontario government banning body checking than it was the league. There was a lot of pushback from the league. The league didn't want to do it. Um, and at the end of the day, um, I don't know if anyone um, involved with the Ministry of Health and the uh, Ontario government has ever played hockey, but this is not going to help. So no, um, no. it's going to hurt. It, it's it's actually yeah, it's like it's that. The actually, opposite effect. Like so. what what body checking does is uh, very quickly separate your player from the puck, and now there's yeah. going to be less separation and more bunching together. Mm-hmm. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Scott, oh, yeah. I, think, I think it was Scott Mayfield or like one of the one of the unknown. Uh, New York Islander defenseman tweeted it out. I think it was Scott Mayfield. It was just like, how does that... Like, body checking is meant to mm-hmm. separate everyone. So how does this fucking work at all? Um, it's, it's, it's a terrible move because of why they're doing it. I think if the OHL wants to ban body checking for other reasons, they certainly have all the power to do that. Sure. And that's fine if they want to do that. Um, but they went out and said that this was for COVID regulations. 
So that's what I have to base this off of. Mm-hmm. It, that's the fucking stupidest yeah, that's, thing that's I've ever fucking heard. And like, that's embarrassing, honestly. Like, uh, for them to even think that that makes the slightest fucking difference, mm-hmm. it, it, it shows that they have no fucking awareness in, in the sport that they are putting together and that they're so quick to listen to these expert opinions that don't have any idea how the sport works, apparently. Like, I just, I don't. I don't get it. Like it, it's it, all it is is an optics move yeah. that all the hockey people see through fucking immediately. Bob McKenzie right away was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, anyone with a spine stood up and said that this is stupid, and and it is. It's dumb. Yeah. If they want to take body checking out of the sport, that's a completely different conversation. Maybe that's something we should be doing. And I also, like, I don't want to get too deep into this. I also don't really see how they're going to bring body checking back in. Once that's gone, that's probably gone. So I, I'm i very nervous about the long-term implications for the OHL. That's a good point. Of this move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in a nutshell, I think it's very stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For short-term and long-term. Yeah. One thing I will say on the other side of the coin um, is that there was... Obviously, some backlash from former players and certain members of the media that were kind of upset about the decision here. And there was someone, I can't remember who made the tweet, came out and said, hockey isn't hockey without body checking. To which we had some former members of the uh, Canadian women's national hockey team come out and say, well, you know, yeah, <laughs> go fuck yourself kind of thing, right? The women's game obviously plays without it. This isn't to say that the, the OHL is going to be a worse league. Or that it's going to produce worse players. No. This isn't a, a, a statement that this isn't going to be hockey anymore. But it's obviously a big change. It's for the wrong reasons. And we're talking about guys that are going to be pursuing careers in a world where mm-hmm. that is allowed. And yeah. how is that going to affect them uh, in the big picture? But by no means should we be sitting here saying like, oh yeah, the OHL sucks. Like it's, it's, no, it's, no, it's going to be bad hockey. It's, it's no longer watchable no. and all this. Mm. No. I mean, they they suck, but not for that reason. <laughs> like, they, like sure. this, like they suck for this for this move, but not because of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, as much as I hate to say it, at that level, the only way to do it safely is to just not really do it. And you know, yeah. Like, you, these guys yeah. are going to be in close contact no <laughs> exactly. matter what. Like, yeah, it's going to happen. You don't have like all the precautions that they had in the NHL or whatever with like bubble cities and stuff. Like, like obviously they can't do it at that level. Like, no. it's not plausible to do anything like that at that level. So. I just don't see how you can play the game and think that, you know, you're not going to have these cases or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it, the whole thing, it's just like, it's almost like we shouldn't be doing this in the first place then. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough and... Yeah, if you have to again, change the like rules just, of the league to accommodate playing a season, then maybe just don't play the season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, and it's, you know, like... I, I, I'm sure I've said it on the podcast before, but this isn't anything to do with me being like a traditionalist or anything like that either. Like, and a lot of people have gotten twisted up in that where like some of the new age people are like, well, no, it's good to not have body checking. It's like, I honestly could give a fuck if there's open ice body checking or not in hockey. Like I used to be very opposed to getting rid of it. I don't give a flying fuck anymore. Cause I just, I'm so sick of the conversation and everybody getting so heated about it that I don't even want to have it. Take it out, fine. Keep it, fine. I don't care. I grew up with it in there, uh, but I have health problems because of fucking taking too many hits. So it's like, whatever, you know? But 
Um, it, it's just the reasoning that they want to do this, I think, makes zero fucking sense. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a stupid move. Yeah, I think, I think we're all in agreement on that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Mitchell Miller uh, gets drafted by the uh, Arizona Coyotes in the fourth round. Uh, Glad to save this overall. till toward the mm-hmm. end because I really didn't want to give this kid top billing for the episode. Yeah, on uh, October seventh, he gets drafted. He's their their top pick. They don't they don't have their first three rounds. Uh, well, what happened some... there? Oh, well, how come they didn't have their first three round picks? Uh, well, they brought That's, in a former all... Hart Trophy winner, and then okay. they got in trouble with the league, and then they. <laughs> They brought oh, in somebody okay. else. So what's what's the what's the former Hart Trophy winner doing? What's how's uh, he playing? He's, he's what did they do to get in good. trouble with there? Um, yeah. like, you know how, all the fucking great prospects they've drafted over the years yeah. while they were cheating. Kind of weird that Chica wanted out, eh? Yeah. Fucking set that team on fire. <laughs> um, okay, so Coyotes pick up Mitchell Miller, uh, fourth round pick um, this year, and not released by the Coyotes. Uh, news uh, is released that uh, implicates uh, Miller in this uh, big. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I guess allegation is the wrong word. I don't know if there was ever a final verdict that came down from the courts, but basically the kid, the, the kid had to go to court because of bullying and assault charges um, against, uh, a, 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 I believe, a classmate that he went to school with. Yeah. Um, I had his name here in front of me just a minute ago, and I've lost it. Um, uh, Isaiah Meyer Crothers. Yeah, there it is. Um, a disabled black child that went to school with Miller. Um, so yeah, we, we get all these allegations that come out, and then the Coyotes. Okay, now now the ball's in their court. Okay, we're gonna work with Miller. We're gonna help him. We're gonna try to confront the uh, the bullying and the racism, and, and we're gonna try to make this this person a better person, which is a, a, a nice spirit. That, that's a nice thought, I suppose. You always want to help people and make people better, and you know that's that's what you should do. You should want to help people, right? Uh, but uh, Mitchell Miller didn't want to help himself, uh, and at no point apparently has he reached out to uh, the Mayor Crowther's family and offered any sort of apology, um, which swiftly led then to the Coyotes severing ties and renouncing the draft pick with Miller. Uh, once this kind of got out into the public sphere, once people started calling for his head. Uh, through social media and other forms of engagement. I mean, not that quickly, though. <laughs> well, no, not that quickly. But it was, well, what did we do? It was three weeks he was a member of the team, all said and done, I think. Seventh till, yeah, just just, just a day over three weeks. Um, so uh, following that, uh, the University of North Dakota, they've, they've separated their, themselves from him. He's no longer on their hockey team. Um, it looks like, this is going to be quite the uphill road if if uh, mm-hmm. Mitchell Miller ever decides he wants to continue to pursue a hockey career. I don't know where he's going to get that opportunity from. But at the end of the day, we're going to talk about it here. Where, where do we come down with the decision, A, for the Coyotes to draft this kid in the first place, yeah. and B, their wishy-washy, one minute we're going to help him, we're mm-hmm. going to make a better guy out of him, and in the next minute... Well, we're severing ties because of the public perception. Well, I, I first off, I think it's embarrassing that an NHL team does less research into the players that they're potentially bringing into the fold than I do for a fucking midget B hockey team. Like that's just insane. To well, me. apparently they knew. Like, well, that yeah, well, that, I thought teams okay, under, under the understanding yeah. that they okay, knew. Okay, so I, I didn't know that. My understanding was that they didn't know. So uh, what I would say to that then is I think that it's embarrassing that an NHL hockey team has less money put into their fucking marketing department than. 
Like, how how do you think that? How did they think this was going to play out? I just don't understand. If this is a if this was the best player in the draft, and they want to fucking do this because they think that they have a guy who's going to eventually win them a Stanley Cup, and they're going to die on that hill, that's fine, man. Like, if you're going to commit to that bit, you go right ahead. This is a hundred and eleventh ranked player that conceivably is not going to make a fucking difference for them, really. This is a big enough deterrent. I wouldn't I wouldn't have touched the kid at all. Maybe when he's 23, 24, you sign him as an undrafted free agent, and he's a grown man, and maybe he's done right by then. But this is an 18-year-old kid that's apparently shown no remorse. I don't know if this... Like, I feel bad talking about an 18-year-old kid like this, but he did what he did. I don't know if he's just a fucking idiot and like maybe he's like I just doesn't understand the implications of what he's done and that's why he doesn't feel the rem- like I don't know I, I can't put myself in his shoes but all I know is that this was a risk that they were willing to take for no good reason it seems and they're going to have to deal with the consequences of not just drafting him, but standing by him for, mm-hmm. like, 48 hours. But still, uh, they're going to have to deal with this forever until the until the current regime of everyone there from top to bottom is gone. This is going to mar the reputation of Xavier Gutierrez and, and everyone who's there for years. I'll, I'll answer your question on, on the Mitchell Miller being an idiot thing. Is He wasn't... He couldn't have been an idiot in the sense that he had the foresight to reach out to all 31 NHL yeah. hockey teams yeah. and be like, hey, uh, please don't like hold this against me. Because he clearly knew it was wrong enough to send that letter, but not wrong enough to send a, a separate one. I, I'm not sure how it's, you how you make that separation. It's so crazy to me, though. Like, if he has the foresight to do something like that, why, like, you literally, all you have to do is even, like, issue, like, a fake apology. Like, you see people do all the time. Like, he's literally ne- never done anything like that. Like you said, like, he's never shown any remorse. Even the judge of his trial said, like, he didn't show any remorse or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very clear that he's pretty indifferent to what he's done mm-hmm. at the very most. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, and then and then yeah, you have the the Coyotes draft the guy, and then while this starts coming out, within forty eight hours, sure they drop him, but uh, they first put out a letter where they base or a statement where they basically said like, hey, you know, everybody deserves second chances, blah 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 blah. I love a good redemption story. It's great, Me too. you know. But well, that was he's my never he's first. never tried to you know redeem himself though is the issue. Yeah. He's never reached out to the kid. That, he's never apologized publicly. Because at first this all came out, and all you knew was just that this had happened. Yes. Right. And immediately everyone's like, "Oh fuck this kid!" And I and I'm sitting there being like, "Well, no. Like, what what has gone on since then? Yeah. Right. Like, you can't tell me that." even though what he did was horrible, mm-hmm. that at 14, that maybe he hasn't redeemed himself by the time he's 18. Like, like four years is four years in the passage of time. Mm-hmm. But when you're 14 to 18, four years is like oh, a it's, large it's chunk huge. of your life. You know what I mean? You're still not matured yet. So that was my attitude at first, was just like, I want to see like where this is going. And then... Uh, Meyer uh, Crothers' mom comes out and says that yeah he has never apologized to my son and he like he's a fucking like you know what I mean like just telling us how it is and I'm like cool thank you for telling us mm-hmm. and yeah that kid's an asshole they <laughs> shouldn't have drafted him 100% and this was this was just the huge this is why I'm not gonna forgive the Coyotes it's very simple to me I I know for sure 
I would have reached out to the kid's mom. I would have asked the parents of the kid that this happened to and, and been like, what can you tell me about this? Because mm-hmm. I want to know from them what they think. But all they did was find out what happened with Miller and they're like, ah, we're going to take the kid's side. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck that. Now, the only thing I'll say on that is I, I don't know how it works in the States. Um, there may have been some sort of legal implications here where you can't contact these people and maybe the Coyotes wanted to and didn't weren't allowed. I, I don't want to sit here and say that they they didn't or they didn't want to. The mother made a con... Now, whether or not this is within the confines of the law, too, I don't know. You, you could be right. But she did make a comment of how she would have been happy to have them reach out and they never did. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, like... We're, we're, <sighs> Like, where do you where do you go from here if if you're the the Coyotes now you've 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 kind of like you mentioned tainted their reputation um, they've got nothing to really show for from this draft like like I said like this was their yeah, this was their top pick it's embarrassing I'm not trying to like shit on their other guys that they yeah, picked they, this year they really centered like, this year right yeah so now you're gonna you're gonna come in and 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 what is what is the response here like do you as an organization clean house because your scouts saw talent on the ice but didn't know the story behind the scenes well, or I don't hmm. they didn't have a GM that's at the time a, that's a weird one like I don't know if that really falls on the scout I guess it depends how they run their their department exactly. like I would from what I know how most organizations run uh, that's not necessarily the scouting department so I, I wouldn't really blame your scouts too much. And at the end of the day, your scouts are there to tell you who's a good hockey player and who's not, mm-hmm. not who's a good kid or not, yep. right? Until they interview these kids, if that's part of what they're doing. But, I mean, this is more of like a, you know, this is just a, a fucking background check that they didn't do. Yeah. You know? It's, and, it's one of those or things. Or didn't care about It's a question for me of who's responsible here. Because, like I mentioned, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Armstrong mm-hmm. comes in. He's not allowed to attend the draft just because of how things play well, out. Well, he, he's and... responsible. Gutierrez is responsible. You think that's, Armstrong's responsible? That's top to bottom for me, yeah. yeah. That, that's something that um, whoever... It's just basically whoever found out about this should have passed it up. And every single one of them should have passed it up until it got to Gutierrez. Like, that's that's the ownership, everyone. They should have been informed on that. Um, like, again, it's, it's one thing if the kid had a fucking uh, public urination charge when he was 14 or something like that. And they're like, oh, I'm not too worried about it. Like, maybe just make sure he doesn't still <laughs> kind of pee on stuff. And like, as long, if not, then then let's just take him. But he he traumatized a, 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 a poor young kid who was just trying to live his fucking life. Like, absolutely made his life hell. And it that's... It's, it's unforgivable. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve second chance. Uh, in time, he will get some sort of redemption I'm sure but um or at least a chance to redeem himself but yeah it's just it's yeah the everyone is responsible from the top down because of the implications of what what this is this is, is a huge thing yeah uh as I mentioned Miller uh no longer on the University of North Dakota hockey team will be allowed to still attend the school however moving forward so um don't know. Interesting decision. Um, that's that's fine. Too. Yeah, I don't. Like, I'm not. Like, I think every. I I think everyone deserves a right to an education. Yeah, you don't need to destroy that, like but, the guy's whole life. Yeah, but at yeah, the yeah. same time, you know, like he he doesn't deserve this shot right now. At you know, no. playing NHL. No, you go like you that. go to school all you want and, and try to learn some shit while you're there. I mean, like that's one thing too. Like 
if we tell him he can't go to school, you know, and say just say he couldn't go to school anywhere, you know what I mean? Like, how is he ever going to learn the implications of what he did wrong, too? Like, that's something you learn from going to school as well and learning more about life. You see things, gain perspective. And if, he, if he's not able to do that, like, I, I think everyone deserves a right to it, so I'm, I'm not going to say that. But, yeah, he shouldn't be on the hockey team. He shouldn't be uh, playing hockey for anyone. Mm-hmm. So now, Reg, you mentioned ruining his life. Uh, well, I just I, mean in the sense that, like, if he if he loses this education too, like, it seems like the kid's obviously been working towards hockey his whole life. Now he doesn't have that, mm-hmm. at least for the time being. If all of a sudden he doesn't have education too, like, this is going to create some downward spiral. This kid might never get out of this. All of a sudden, like, he's stuck in his ways. He is that person for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. You know, he becomes that could could become like it could he might not get that shot at redemption he might literally just become a shittier person as he goes like mm-hmm. but yeah, not, that that's that's the thing for me right like that it would just take away his it would take away the rehabilitation aspect yes. for him like he yes. needs to i mean i I'm, I'm assuming his parents are shitty to to have let this kid happen and everything go this way Very so I'm, I'm blaming them 100% but you know, like, he needs some sort of guidance to be molded into a better person because he hasn't improved much, if at all, since he yeah. was 14. I mean, I think ruin so his life So he needs to go to school and shit. No, I know, but I know what you're saying. Like, that, like, that was the wrong needs, phrasing, He I needs think, to be given though, the opportunity to rehabilitate himself, and short of sending him to prison, I don't know what else he would do. You're not going to send him to prison because it happened four years ago when he was 14, but... Where, where I was going with that question, though, was uh, you mentioned the, the ruining his life uh, comment. Um, now, this whole thing comes to light as a result of the actions of social media and this, you know, online cancel culture that we've kind of found ourselves in in, in 2020. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, yeah, this probably gets fucked under the rug in some degree. Or oh, yeah. maybe, maybe it gets out there, but in a different format, you know, the media digs up a story and yep. it's Pierre Lebrun breaking <laughs> yeah. it or whatever. And, and now we've, we're going some, so I got Pierre Lebrun right here. How dare you here. throw Pierre Lebrun under the bus? So, but where I'm going with this is, is on a kind of a separate issue, not so much with the Mitchell Miller situation, but like, is this a situation where cancel culture is good? Is this like one exception to the rule? Is the idea of cancel culture bad in, in the modern understanding of it? Like, where do you guys come down on that? Because like, it's never really affected the hockey world too extremely aside from like, hey, this guy had a shitty tweet 10 years ago. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll take the tweet down. You know, like, hey, yeah, you're a shitty guy 10 years ago. You said well, something out of context where like this is like this is a guy losing potentially his career and, you know, did physical harm and, and was charged with, you know, had to go to, to court and all this. Like this isn't just a, a social media post where we're calling a guy out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it was one of those things when I when I first read it, I I didn't uh, I didn't read the article. All I saw was the reaction to it at first, and I'm kind of thinking already, like, well, fuck, like we gotta we gotta we gotta cancel everybody, really, like you know what I mean. And what bothered me initially was the fact that we were so quick to react to an 18 year old. Um, being like that like there was there was a video that went around on the internet last week of this uh it was like a fucking like a six-year-old girl like bullying this other like six-year-old girl at like a at a party or something like that i don't know if you guys saw that and it was like the comment was like you can see the pure evil in this girl's eyes kind i of thing. did see that 
I think that's fucking wrong that millions and millions of people were ripping apart a six-year-old fucking girl who, again, has no basis of, like, what's right and wrong really yet. Like, yeah, her parents fucking suck and they need to help her not bully a poor young girl at a party. But why the fuck are we making, like, a joke of that, joke of that on the internet or something like that? Like, that was just, that's just fucking wrong to me. That this girl has no idea who's out there and who's fucking attacking her and shit like that online. And to me, that was just, that kind of embodied a lot of this stuff where it's just like, we see shit on the internet, we shovel this shit down our throat, and then we just react to it without any fucking consequence. And to me, that's a little bit wrong. So, to go back to your question... Not specifically to Mitchell Miller, but I do I do think cancel culture is fucking stupid in a lot of regards because I think people are just uh, quick to send out a quick tweet uh, canceling someone and don't actually think about um, why they're doing that. I think a lot of the people who are very quick to cancel people just do it to hop on the bandwagon. And um, I think that's wrong. But a lot of it comes from a from you know a good place too, and I I do think that uh, everyone should be accountable for their actions, and you know like I I'm uh, very guilty for sending Donald Trump a fucking nasty tweet every few days, and you know I have said some mean things about Harvey Weinstein, and these people are horrible, right? But like there are also people that deserve the opportunity at rehabilitation and redemption and things like that, and every time someone does something wrong, we don't need to take away everything that they have. Right, mm-hmm. so with the Miller thing, I think everyone reacted the right way, but I do think that well, not everyone reacted the right way, but the internet as a whole pretty much reacted the right way. Um, but you don't need to send this kid death threats or anything like that either. Like you know what I mean? Just leave him the fuck alone. Put him out of your mind. He's off the coyotes now. Don't fucking think about this kid ever again and just let him live his life. Like, who cares? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just a... We're all, they're all just people. Who cares? Any thoughts on cancel culture, bitch? Uh, yeah, to an extent. I mean, like, sometimes it does seem like it's a little bit like vigilante justice, like these people just going online oh, and yes. just finding, I, I finding things to... Uh, finding things to get mad at. I think people talking about cancel culture is a little bit, uh, let's say, overblown. Because it's not that, like, people don't go out and, you know, try and cancel people all the time. But really, like, who actually gets canceled? Like, really canceled, you know, where you lose, like, everything. And you're not, like, you're out of work now. And you don't have, like, all this stuff. Like, it doesn't happen that often where, like, somebody who shouldn't be. No, no, you know? exactly. Like, like it was, doesn't go that You said far. that, and I'm like, well, Kevin Spacey. But it's like, yeah, good for good for us, though. Like, <laughs> thank God we ripped that guy's career away from him, right? Like, but... Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like it, you, it, it doesn't happen unjustly all the time. But I do think it's just like the first thirty minutes that news comes out, people are so quick to just react to shit. Now. Yeah, people. That's the problem. People don't get like their due process. You just get the yes. info. You don't look into it, and, and then the like, momentum oh, okay. online yeah, builds exactly, in a exactly, certain direction. Yeah. Everyone hops on the bandwagon. I mean, like honestly, this is another thing too with a lot of this that I don't think people consider is a lot of the tweets on the internet are just bots too, though. So, like, if you see, like, thousands and thousands of tweets about this thing, these aren't all people saying these things. This is a fucking algorithm that's tweeting this. Like, you know, uh, it's it's weird. It's The internet's weird. Mm-hmm. It was a bad idea. I say it every day. The internet was a terrible idea. Yeah, it's looking more and more like that. <laughs> oh, oh, the things it's done for us. Yeah. Um, okay, I think that's it. Um, unless you guys have any final thoughts on no, no, well, hockey, no, no, but we got a top ten for sure to get to. That's a big one. Uh, the big yeah. one. This is it. 
been teasing it since last season, maybe? No, no, it's just this season. But uh, we've been talking about this for six six, uh, months. And uh, we're not doing a community-specific episode, as you can tell. But we are doing a community top ten by popular demand. This has been asked for uh, many times. And we finally got to it. And it's the season finale. And what better time to do it? Uh, I would also like to note, because I think I've mentioned it on the podcast, that uh, we were supposed to have a, a different guest do this episode with us. But he's flaky, so we have Reggie. As happy as I am. Why are you here, yeah, Rich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Reggie has a very good knowledge of the show as well. So I think that uh, this is this is a great fit anyway. Let's have some fun. Let's talk about community. The show's fucking awesome. I, I was saying it while we were not on the air. I... I just think it's crazy that this show was on NBC for five years. Like, this is just a show, like, that was on at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whatever on Thursday nights. And it was, like, all these old people watching all these sitcoms and stuff and getting all the jokes. And then Community would come on and they would watch it because Chevy Chase was in it and they all hated it. Like, it, it, <laughs> I know? think... I think... The people who watch TV... This yeah. is why the show did bad ratings. Why People who watch TV... Uh, are not the people that are watching this show. Like, it was just, like, a weird combination of well, a fan base and a time slot. I, I think they got away with it, at least in the beginning, because the first season was so grounded that it yeah, was more true. geared towards yes. people like that. And then they kind of got the hooks in, and they were on, you know, they got another couple seasons or whatever, and as they went along, yeah, it just went so, so far out there that Brought a lot of those people... Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay, well, with that, I guess we can uh, start. We're doing our top ten community episodes, uh, Reggie included. Yes. Uh, is this our first uh, guest top ten? Uh, no, because Reggie did a top ten with us before as well. That's right. Um, I, I, I'm trying to remember what we did, but I, I feel like I got it right here somewhere. Was, um, um, oh, man. Reginald DeFio, we did. Oh, our our uh, our top... Uh, our top comedy movies That's of all right, time. That's right, yeah. We did a top 10 mm. way back in the day. Reg was so on. I if you're looking uh if you're looking for more of there. Reg's work, almost 2 years to the day, uh he was on our episode Traveling Roadside Circus, uh in <laughs> which we drafted a fake hockey team. Reggie That's uh, right. moderated oh, yeah. I was the draft. A and then uh, and then we did a top 10. So if you yeah, if you're looking for more Reggie, uh November 2nd, 2018. That's uh, that's where you're looking. Good. Okay. Well, uh, Reg, uh, as the guest, uh, why don't you give us your 10th uh, community episode? All right. We will start with my 10th episode, which is uh, an episode from Season 2, Episode 17, Intro to Political Science. Nice. Uh, Just, uh, I mean, obviously it's kind of relevant nowadays with all the election stuff, but I'm a big fan of, uh, I was kind of, they got the nice side plot with like the CIA chick, like watching Abed. Kind of like nice. that, where they have like that like relationship they kind of develop throughout the episode. But I really just like I like the debates. Like the debates are hilarious. I think it's like Pierce, just something like he uh, offers to push like Vicky off of his platform. Like, what platform are you running on, Pierce? I just want one high enough so that I can push Vicky off to her death. <laughs> <laughs> good, good episode. Good episode. What was the episode called again? Which one is that? Uh, intro to political science. Right, I think. Intro to political science. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that, that is... just just squeaks in. There are a lot of other ones I probably could have swapped it with. Troy but... and Abed have the fucking the debate show. Like, the yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. That's a good one. I like that one. Uh, my my number ten is um, season three, episode seven, uh, studies in modern movement. 
now this is an episode where Troy and Abed get an apartment together and the gang tries to help them move in. Jeff fakes that he's sick so he can go shopping and runs into the Dean and then he has to spend the day with the Dean. Otherwise the Dean's going to rat him out to the friend group. They sing karaoke together. They go for lunch. Yeah. The Jeff, the Jeff and Dean relationship is amazing, but I do think that that is their best episode together. And, um, and just the whole moving thing is just hilarious. How annoying Troy and Abed are and Annie's getting super frustrated. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. They help Annie move. Sorry. Not they, not they move, but, uh, and that's also the episode I believe where, um, they leave Pierce in the, in the apartment by himself and he spills all the fucking, uh, what does he spill? Like Varsol or something like that. And then all the fumes are, are, are just like hot boxing in this apartment and he's fucking like having a hallucination guy guy opens the like the super opens the apartment uh, door and pierce is just like sitting on a on a on a bucket playing like the cardboard as if it were a piano and he's just like any request governor like uh, <laughs> it's it's great uh, my number 10 is from season two episode 14 advanced dungeons and dragons nice uh, that's a good uh, one removed by uh sony uh from yeah. netflix because Speaking of, of cancel culture, because I didn't, didn't even know that. Ridiculous, okay. ridiculous fucking reasons. So, that, so they were upset because in the episode, Ken Jong wears uh, wears blackface, but he's doing it. Yeah, but like, like he's <laughs> that's not why he's doing it. And the pr- the problem with the whole thing, though, is the whole joke of that was them being like, "Is that appropriate or isn't?" Like, <laughs> yeah. they, that was the joke. Was they were acknowledging that you shouldn't do that. So. I like I don't know it, it's a stupid reason they took it off. But. Yep, real dumb. That's why I put it on my list. Mm-hmm. For that, reason, <laughs> yeah. that is a solid episode. No, it, it's it's fucking hilarious. It's okay, they, yeah. they they bring in this guy Fat Neil to to play Dungeons and Dragons with because Jeff's con- con- uh, convinced the kid's gonna like kill himself, and then they play and Pierce goes nuts and doesn't the, yeah. play. <laughs> yeah. But the whole season two plotline of Pierce being the devil always seemed weird to me but it like it also adds so much hilarity to the show like it was just a weird writing decision but it's like yeah i guess it's a strange character it, it makes, shift, but yeah I, uh, I do enjoy it yeah yeah, yeah. uh and then at the end of the end of the game it like it's it's revealed that like fat neil was never going to kill himself anyway so they, they all just ended up playing this long game of dungeons and dragons because jeff was worried this kid would kill himself and then and then he didn't kill him he wasn't going to anyway mm. so that's good yeah okay. pretty funny yeah that's good all right are we back to me, I guess? That's you. That's me. Okay. Reggie, number uh, nine. My number, number nine episode, uh, season one, episode 21, uh, Contemporary American Poultry. I just, <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. the funniest episode in the world, but I just love, like, yeah. the Mafia movie references, and I, I like Abed as, like, the one who's running the show. It's like an Abed episode, you yeah. know? Because a lot of the episodes are, like, Jeff episodes, or, like, whatever, but I, I like Abed getting the spotlight and, uh him being like the the dawn of the family or whatever oh, and uh it's a, it's a good one it's a good one i like the uh i like how they got get uh starburns out of the fryer or whatever they like call like all these different things like they call in favors <laughs> like pierce calls yeah. in his donald trump for the interview yeah. troy comes in fry like, the hell dr- out of chicken i can tell you that yeah. <laughs> troy comes in dressed as a pharaoh like i, dr- I dress like a pharaoh <laughs> for you man <laughs> oh fuck that episode's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, I always like that one. I'm good with that. 
Uh, my number nine is season three, episode two, Geography of Global Global yes. Conflict. Um, this is the episode, of course, where they do the model UN. Annie has her uh, her rival Annie Kim that mm-hmm. she's up against, and just oh man, like I don't even know where to begin. Like just the whole idea that Troy doesn't get it, and like, <laughs> like he, just, he doesn't understand how it works, kind of thing. Eh? He thinks he's uh, Georgia the state, not the country. Oh man, it's it's eh, there's so many good things to say about that episode and I, I if I remember correctly no it is um it gave us one of my favorite uh community jokes which is and gifts to use ever which is um crisis alert that Garrett, every time he just has a scenario for them, just yells out crisis alert. <laughs> and he gets more and more excited and shaky, and they do like a montage with his head moving across the screen. Ah. Oh, chef's kiss. That episode's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number uh, nine is season three, episode 14, Pillows and Blankets. Uh, mm. Presented in the style of a Ken Burns documentary, uh, Abed <laughs> and Troy uh, build competing uh, pillow and blanket forts. <laughs> In the uh, hope of breaking the Guinness World Record, uh, culminating with Troy giving Abed an ultimato because he doesn't realize his <laughs> ultimatum. Um, oh, and you would like that, because yeah? That's, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, the, the respective characters uh, divvy themselves up between Pillow Town and uh, Fortsburg, and you know you get like Pierce coming in, and um, you know he's doing what, what's the word? Uh, Demolition, like not demolition, but he, like he's sabotaging mm, um, mm-hmm. pillow, pillows, uh, pillow town, and like just taking down structural, like the worst, like components of the whole. Th- it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> Brett is trying to like take photo- photographs of the whole thing and document it for like some sort of, you know, newsreel. Mm-hmm. No, it's yeah. great. It's great. But all all her photos are just garbage though. And then the only good one she takes is like purely by accident. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Uh, <laughs> Brit is the worst. Oh, yeah. For my... Uh, my <laughs> how, do you, how do you say bagel? Bagel. Ugh, you're the worst. Okay, for my uh, number eight, I have season one, episode 23, Modern Warfare. Nice. It's, uh, that's, it's fair. It's another one that, like, I don't even think is exceptionally funny. It's just, like, one of the first times where they really went Ballsy. for it with, like, yeah. a different kind of style for the show. I like the plot line with uh, Senior Chang becoming a student so he can win the, the paintball game or what. And it, See, he's, like, decked out that with paintball stuff. That is one of stuff. the like, best Senior Chang episodes, for sure. Like, that is that is up there. Oh, God. Yeah, I honestly don't even really have much more to say about it, but it's just just You're a, not fun, a fun episode. Politics of gender, yeah. biatch. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a great choice. I like it. Uh, my number eight is season two, episode six, epidemiology, um, which I I initially thought was not my favorite Halloween episode of theirs, but it actually is. This is the one where. Um, the dean orders like expired fucking taco meat from the army and everyone gets sick and turns into zombies Mm -hmm. and uh perhaps like just because i like to point out like my favorite joke from each of these episodes uh is the idea that the dean's phone is playing the music through the whole halloween party and all it is is just abba and then his like shopping list and that's all that keeps playing over the fucking pa during this like 
zombie party where they're all like eating each other and shit. That's crazy. It's awesome. It's great. That's a good one. I forgot about that one. Not yeah, that's very good. Very good. Um, my number eight is uh, season three, episode seventeen, basic lupine urology. Mm. So, uh, the yam on the biology project is smashed to the ground, and the gang takes up a Law and Order. What's theme. his name? Todd. Uh, is it Todd? The fucking oh, I, the think, one I guy, think it's Todd. Eh? That guy. Like you remember the the bottle episode with the pen? Like that's yeah. the same guy. Yeah. yeah, it's Todd. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, it's curly uh, hair. Fucking hilarious. Um, I, I love a good whodunit, mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. I I love a good comedy whodunit even more. So yeah. this nails it on both uh, both fronts for me. Cool. All right, uh, on to number seven here. I have season one, episode 11, Politics of Human Sexuality. Now, I don't know if this is, like, a fan favorite at all. I just really like the subplot with, like, Abed being a better athlete than Troy in, like, every single way and how frustrated he gets about it. They're, like, right at the beginning of the episode, they're, like, taking shots into the basket with, like, little uh, little pieces of paper or whatever. And uh, Troy misses his and Abed gets it. He's like, you know, you've been, like, practicing? Like, what are you doing? He's like, you know, I've been trying to, like, stop doing so many movie references, trying to, like, get into... He's like, well, you're not moving to sports? <laughs> like, <laughs> just, like, super, super sensitive about the subject, you know? Yeah. And uh, I also like... I also like in the episode how they're holding the STD fair and then they print on the condoms the fucking the, the the stay safe or whatever whatever they print on and then the condoms are all leaking so Abed has to like go and run to the office and like make the announcement not to use the condoms or whatever but he basically says like just don't use condoms at all yeah, yeah. like no, he just you're, fucking you're, like completely fucks, fucks up it. the announcement completely yeah yeah it's a, it's a fun episode um my number 7 uh, I feel very strongly about these, about my top seven, for sure. Uh, season two, episode 19, Critical Film Studies. Uh, the reason I like this episode is it just basically focuses on two movies, uh, which is just Pulp Fiction References, which is uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, and uh, My Dinner with Andre. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, it's kind of funny to say, as a huge Pulp Fiction fan and not a huge My Dinner with Andre fan... I love the 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 Abed and Jeff give and take in that in that scene, and it, I think that it completely captures the genius of that movie, which which is just the the ability to have a conversation. But the show adds in the humor just so effectively that like it's actually like really well acted and everything too. Like it's 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 a really well done episode in that sense. Um, but yeah, of, of course, uh, just features a lot of great jokes like Shirley doesn't understand that she's playing Jules Winfield and she says I've seen Pulp Fiction it's a 30 minute and it was edited on like a religious network and she's like it's a 30 minute movie about friends who like to dance and eat, che- and eat cheeseburgers it's <laughs> yeah. like it's like this wholesome movie and it, it is not if you've never seen it uh, also uh, features a reference a few references to Cougar Town which was a terrible show but Abed loves and uh yeah, it's just it's it's a great episode. I love it. Um, all right, my number seven has already been mentioned. Uh, that would be contemporary American poultry. Nice. Um, nice. Um, uh, as much as I like a uh, whodunit, I like a mob movie even better. So yeah, this Co- is comedy hilarious. whodunit. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Com- comedy mob movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, French Stewart's in it. Who doesn't love a good French Stewart? French Stewart's in that one. Yeah, he plays uh, Vinny. That's a different episode, isn't it? Because he plays uh, French Stewart's in 
Oh, I've the got episode. the wrong one open. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I've, I've got the wrong one open. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Because he plays uh, the French Stewart impersonator. And he's like, yeah, you kind of <laughs> yeah. do look like yeah. French Stewart. That's, that, that was very close to getting onto my list. That is a very good episode. And Jeff's like having the ego issue. And mm-hmm. you're actually yeah. more famous than the... Or you're actually more handsome than the man who's famous for being handsome. Yeah. yeah just like going straight to his head. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Alright. Uh, Which is not even the episode right. that you were, no, you uh, were talking uh, about. I got the wrong link here. Yeah. Alright, Reg, your number six. Okay, on to my number six, uh, I got Season 2, Episode 9, Conspiracy Theories and Interior Design. Uh, again, it's just like, I really like, it? it's the one where uh, Jeff makes up a fake class to... Oh, um, yeah, Professor, Professor. Yeah, so they Kevin go on, Morgan, like, they go to, like, do the all the sleuthing and stuff, and they find Professor, Professor Sin or whatever, and yep. then they do more looking into it, and then there's all the, like, the conspiracy about night school and all this stuff. Oh, man. I just yeah, love the guy that plays Professor, Professor yeah, Sin. Yeah, Kevin is Corrigan. Perfect. He's awesome, He's man. so good yeah. as that character. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that guy can actually fucking act. I'm kind of surprised yeah, he doesn't yeah. do more serious stuff. But. And I like the end, too. Everybody's, like, getting fake shot or whatever. And then uh, it, it basically ends, and then the cop who did, like, the last fake shooting is, like, <laughs> 100% of the time in, like, fake gun shootings, the victim is always the one with the gun, <laughs> or whatever. Just, just like, stupid, but I uh, really, really dig that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my number, my number six. Uh, this is the the first three peat on our list. Is uh, contemporary American poultry. Hey, uh, I am a big Goodfellas fan, so I definitely appreciate this episode because it's basically just Goodfellas about um, chicken. Uh, again, like, and it's already been mentioned. Probably my favorite joke from the episode is. Um, the three seconds when Troy is sitting there in a pharaoh in a pharaoh uh, outfit and just literally doesn't say a word. Um, fuck, yeah, man, Donald Glover is awesome. Like, you'll notice that like all of my favorite episodes are good Troy episodes, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's uh, that, that's my number six. Um, my number six is uh, the latest episode I have on my. Uh top 10 season 5 episode 2 introduction to teaching jeff winger is now a teacher at greendale community college uh but that is not why this made my list uh, as funny as it is watching um jeff try I, to teach i think i remember where this is um going. abed takes on a new class <laughs> in which he gets into um a debate over whether or not nicholas cage is a good actor or not which is funny as a plot line until you spend literally two minutes thinking about it and then you are also at a crossroads trying to determine yourself whether Nicolas Cage is or isn't a good actor. Uh, A big plot line from season one of the Laced Up Hockey podcast was, is Nicolas Cage a good (laughs) actor? I assure you, there is no answer. (laughs) Who's teaching the class? Uh, Buzz Hickey? Is it? Is it Jonathan? No, it's not Jonathan, Jonathan Banks. Banks. Season that, is it? Or is it Kevin Corrigan? It's Professor Sean Oh, right, Garrity. it's Sean Garrity. Yeah, yeah. so, like, yeah, I Professor forgot he's Sean in multiple Garrity. episodes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, fuck, yeah. That is that is a good one. That plot line is fantastic. All the right. Uh, so now onto my number five. Actually, before I jump onto my number five here, I just kind of forgot to mention that Conspiracy Theory episode also has the uh, subplot in Troy of Abed and Troy making the original Blanket Fort. 
Mm, which is also interesting. also very good. I like later on in the episode when like Britta's like, oh no, like that's lame. Like I'm never hanging out. And she's like in like the Persian district or whatever with like all those like <laughs> men in like tight clothes and stuff. Hilarious, hilarious. Anyways, uh, on to my top five here. So my number five is uh, season one, episode seven, intro to statistics. Yeah. Just, just yeah. overall, that very, was a very, very fun narrow episode. miss for me. That's a it's, good one. It's, um, it's very early on in the show, so it's still like super grounded. There's nothing like really crazy about it or anything. It's just very well written. It's got a lot of good jokes, like the Mexican Halloween joke at the beginning of the episode is. Uh, it's it's not even just like a good joke as like the sex position thing like it's it's a good like visual gag too with like Troy's reaction and then I think like Pierce reacts to it too and like, I feel like they bring it up later in the episode again too like it comes back yeah, somehow a little bit yeah that's the that's Dia a really de los Muertos party exactly yeah it's a really good joke and then I like uh, I like Pierce like swapping the pills with Starburns or whatever yeah. Like, it's fun, it's funny to me that, like, Pierce gets high and, like, freaks out like that, but I like when Starburns is like, hey, man, like, my heart stopped racing, I can't pee! Like, what did you <laughs> slip me? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I like that one a lot. Uh, my number five is a very early one. Uh, episode, or sorry, season one, episode three. Oh, nice. Uh, introduction to film. That's my next film, uh, one as well. Yes. So, Alright. Yeah, um, get this out of the way. So, so, I, I gotta say obviously i would say that my favorite joke well no my favorite joke from the episode is when they're in the food court and uh they're all like ordering lunch and and john michael higgins is going off on jeff about how like he needs to seize the day and like live in the moment a little more and like he finally like turns away from jeff and he picks up a menu and he's like i will have and throws it in the air a birthday cake and that's what he orders for lunch and I fuck every time. I just, I forget it's coming and I fucking lose it. But the concept in the class of them uh, um, standing on their desks, like he gets them to stand on their desks. And I had a prof in uh, university. She didn't make us stand on our desks. But like, uh, was just like, she had a lot of like weird suggestions. She's like, yeah, like if you guys like want to like take your shoes off or whatever, leave them at the front of the room, you can do that. And like, she like wouldn't wear shoes to the class. So she was like, that implied that she was walking around campus in her socks. Like it was just like, she was just very like hippie-ish. She was the head of the history department okay. at the time. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, it just reminded me of that. And my one buddy in the class, we always made references to this episode because of, it was just like, this is fucking like, it's Professor Whitman, man. Like, uh, but yeah, that episode's fantastic. James, did you did you want to add anything? Um, no, I I don't think so. I I, I do I, I love the extent to which Jeff tries to win over Professor Whitman um, with all of these silly little ideas that this is this is season of the day. And it's just like mm-hmm. like yeah, but no, you know what I mean. Like it it, it is really funny watching him think he's doing something that's like seizing the day when he, like you it's a dumb idea but he's also not getting it at the same time to me that's kind of um lost you know, by a lot of people on the episode but uh, yeah carpe diem carpe diem fuck yeah baby all right uh onto my number four here we got season two episode 13 uh celebrity pharmacology 212 uh i'm just really really big fan of the i mean the whole episode obviously but i like 
it's the episode where they do they're like putting on a play for the kids who are at risk for like you know being oh, like drug users and shit. Oh my god! And I, An- I might have I might have meant to put that on. And he's putting on this play or whatever. <laughs> And, like, it's, oh. you know, it's just, like, all the lines are, like, kind of <laughs> lame. And they got all these weird-ass costumes. And Pierce basically, like, yeah. goes to her house and, like, pays her off to be, you know, to, like, make his own lines or whatever and rewrite the play a little bit. And, uh... I, I mean, feel that, way better thanks to yeah, not drugs. Yeah. I mean, that in and of itself is funny when he goes there. There's the whole thing about, like, Dildopolis being, like, next door. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like... <laughs> She's talking about like, oh, you know, like I was gonna like I was gonna sell these eggs to like make rent next thing. He's like, Oh, you save your eggs for a rainy day. Yeah. Like I got it. Like you know, oh, just like man. stupid stuff like that. But then the actual play goes on and I wow. I love it so much. Just like all the terrible yeah, edits a, Pierce makes. Amazing. He like hypes drugs up to be like yeah, the yeah. best thing ever. Yeah. All the kids are, like, all hyped on fucking drugs and stuff. The dean's like, we got, like, 30 at-risk kids out there all hyped on Charleston Chews. Thank (laughs) God. (laughs) And then at the very end, like, Chang comes in. Did someone say crazy person? No. (laughs) (laughs) But he comes in, and it's, like, the perfect dichotomy to, like, Pierce's, like, the way Pierce plays drugs is, like, he's the crazy, everyone love me, have fun sort of guy. And then Chang comes out as like, oh, now you're on drugs, baby? Like, let me show you what drugs really is. Oh, my God. He does that speech. The kid throws a baseball. I'm like, oh, come on, Bow Wow. You know? That's not what drugs do, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that episode. That's so good. Big fan Yeah, that's a great... That's... Yeah. If that... If... If... I I don't know if I forgot it, but that would have been very close to my top ten. Okay. I love that. And you're right. For that... That joke alone, when Chang comes out, is just like, mm. that's fucking perfection so to me. So good. Uh, um, my number four, I believe it was already on James's list. I don't know if it's been on Reggie's yet. Uh, season three, episode 17, basic loop in uh, urology. Uh, again, it's just a law and order um, spoof. And I, I, I have long thought that law and order is low-key a very funny show. Not intentionally, it's just like the way it's done <laughs> makes me laugh. The soundtrack, it's just, it, it's not a bad show. It's just like, it, it, I don't know, something about it I've always found kind of funny. And when shows do spoofs of it, like I, Family Guy has done it since then. Um, I believe The Simpsons has a few references to it in some of their later seasons that aren't bad. Like, this is as close to nailing a parody of a show or a movie I've ever seen like it was that was just it's just flawlessly done um they make a lot of jokes about law and order specifically uh it's it's great like I I I love that episode I don't really even know if I have like a choice for my favorite joke or anything it's just from beginning to end it's just like perfect it's a very fun episode yeah Yeah. um my number four is already been mentioned by but I will uh, add a, a point that I find is funny. Um, I guess I'll bleep that out. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> has already been mentioned. <clears throat> this is number four. Uh, season two, episode 19, Critical Film Studies. Uh, the episode, of course, in which they spoof uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, but w- what I love about this episode is that uh, Jeff is so convinced that Abed is going to love this idea of the Pulp Fiction uh, storyline. But Abed has totally, like, had his outlook on life changed because he appeared as an extra on the set of Cougar Town. 
to which he actually appeared as an extra on the set of Cougar yeah. Town, which is fucking hilarious. Like that they went that far to just like we're gonna give uh, uh, what's his name, um, uh, Danny Putty, uh, just just a brief little. He's just gonna walk in the background of this this one episode of Cougar Town, and then they actually fucking pull it off. And yeah, I love it. That's good stuff. Cool. All right, um, my number three episode, <sighs> top three. Yeah, top three now. Getting getting close here. Yeah, uh, I got. Season 2, episode 21, uh, Paradigms of Human History. Mm. I I know it's been done before, I know it'll be done again, but god damn do I love a clip show full of clips that never happened in yeah. the show. That's such it's, a great bit. Like, it's, every time some show pulls it off, I love it. Like, no matter what, I love it, you know? Um, I like, uh, one of my favorite parts, I think, is they're doing, like, the the montage of like all the times the Dean comes in, like dressed yeah. up as something like absolutely ridiculous. And my favorite might be when he comes in <laughs> dressed as Tina Turner and it's for like daylight savings times or something. He's like, Hey everyone. Like, do you remember this week? It's time to Tina Turner. The clock's back. <laughs> and then he just leaps. Like, that's so the whole bad. thing. Like so stupid. Yeah, no, that, I love you're, it. You're right. Because all of those references are just him putting it in insane amount of work into a costume for no reason like like there's like it's the same thing they're eating in the cafeteria and he's dressed as the fucking um or maybe that might even be a different episode but he's like he's dressed as like a janitor and he's got this huge long beard <laughs> and he pulls up and he's like hey it's me the dean i saved you some yeah. pizza and it's like what the fuck like, i know there's another good one in that episode where he's dressed as like he's dressed it as like like mozart like a classical comp- oh, he's got fuck. the whole white face on and uh he's like you know we're, do- we're doing a fundraiser for our uh for our uh, music department they are flat baroque <laughs> like just such a dumb joke but i, I love that yeah um, my number three is season two, episode 16, uh, intermediate documentary filmmaking. This is the episode in which Pierce has, uh, decided to, uh, uh bequeath his, uh, possessions <laughs> in the event that he is going to die. Um, and this is, this is the best Pierce episode, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and this is the best episode of Pierce being, like, the evil, like, antagonist of yeah, season very, two. Very, very vindictive. Because all this is, is him just preying on every single one of their insecurities <laughs> to the point where with Troy, like, he never wanted to meet his heroes. Yeah. So, like, um, Pierce gets fucking LeVar Burton to come to the hospital and, like, try to talk to Troy and Troy can't speak at all he just <laughs> sits there the whole time that's so funny um he he keeps telling jeff that he got into touch with his estranged father mm-hmm. to the point where he's in like pierce goes into a limo pretends to be jeff's dad <laughs> but does it so fucking bad where it's like clearly just him being like i'm sorry i can't see you son and it's just clearly pierce talking <laughs> I have to go now, and he's like, the car starts pulling away, he gets into, like, an accident, he pulls him out of the fucking car. Um, it, it's just, the whole episode is genius to me, but again, like, Pierce's best episode, but also Troy and LeVar Burton mm-hmm. is one of my favorite mm-hmm. jokes in the entire series. Um, yeah, it's it's fantastic, and I, I know it's a Mike Wern favorite, mm-hmm. so... Uh, my number three is Remedial Chaos Theory, mm. season uh, three, episode four. 
Let's all go over to Troy Nabad's new apartment and look at their Raiders of the Lost Ark boulder diagram. Hey, that's boring. Let's play Yahtzee. And uh, Chaos ensues. Uh, and we get the six timelines, which is probably, like, this and the paintball is probably going to be the two biggest, like, known about episodes, like, for people that don't watch the show. I honestly, like, I've thought about it, and I think people give the paintball one the credit, but I actually do think it is this episode. Yeah. Because, like, the whole idea of the darkest timeline mm-hmm. has become such a fucking bit on Twitter and stuff like that yeah. now. And it's solely from that show. Plus, like, we, the- all, we always knew that that was a thing, but yeah. that's kind of what established this whole idea that since almost since that episode aired we've been living in a fucking dark timeline in the world kind of thing and we've got the the gif with the you know troy combat with the mm-hmm. pizzas yeah. the yes. whole place on fire yeah yeah I guess that I episode should, uh, has gifted us quite a bit for I, sure i guess i should jump in here seeing as that is my number two uh yeah. oh, <laughs> number that's two entry fair. come so, on in. uh <laughs> you're welcome sir <laughs> yeah join I, all i really have to add is that yeah like it's it's obviously a very funny episode but even just Roxanne. like <laughs> yeah how important it is to the series because they use that dark timeline and like that going forward yeah. a bunch like, yeah, like it's a very constantly. important plot plot device going yeah. forward from there right but uh i mean other than that like we we said most of what has to be said the only other thing i really got to add is <laughs> the end of that episode is great like like troy's lost his voice box Troy's an alcoholic yeah oh yeah Pierce, yeah it's Pierce seeing everybody's yeah. at yeah it's really funny <laughs> The only uh, the only what? other thing I wanted to add, I just really dig the joke that like Jeff's like, oh man, like okay, we got this housewarming thing, cool. Like I just can't stick around long. Like I got plans tonight, right? And they're like, no, you don't. He's like, what do you mean? Like yeah, I do. Like I'm going to the the single malt platinum boobs and billiards club. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, you thought that was real? Like, we we made that invitation up, so you booked tonight off. Like, <laughs> Wow, yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, fuck, it's the only reason it's not one of my favorites, but it's so fucking good, is just because of the repetition of it. I can only watch it so often, but it is a flawless episode front to back. Like, every joke lands, um, and there's so much consistency even within the jokes that, like, it's just, I don't know, yeah, it's just so well done. It's, It's their... Um, signature episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For good reason. I, I love the fact too. At the very very end of the episode, and I don't think I don't think anyone catches it the first time they watch it. They get to the end, and it's like, uh, yeah, there's seven people, and there's a six that to die, and it's designed so that Jeff never has to get yeah. and go get the pizza. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck. Um, my number two, uh, and this this may seemingly be off the board. I would say I don't know that this is a. All right. Episode that gets talked about very much amongst um, community fans, but there's so many jokes within it that just kill me. Season 3, episode 19, uh, Curriculum Unavailable. Uh, this is the episode where Abed is forced to go to therapy with the group because uh, he's convinced that the Dean has been replaced by a doppelganger, which he has, or a, or a Dino changer, <laughs> or doppeldiener, whatever you want to call him. Um, so... This episode is amazing because of the idea that John Hodgman, who plays the therapist and is fucking hilarious in his own right, um, has them convinced for, like, a while that Greendale's not a real place. And then even afterwards, when uh, he, like, comes up with, like, an even more outlandish sort of reason why, like, like they're losing it kind of thing, and Troy's just like, I knew it. And they're like, fuck <laughs> off. Like... And it, I, I, it's just so good 
because there's so many jokes of them imagining themselves in the sanitarium and explaining like what they were seeing at Greendale like Leonard's one of the patients and he's yeah. just like all confused and Garrett's like one of the doctors and it it's just like oh man like I I love that episode I think um the craziness of Chang and the idea that they believe this like the very small joke of of uh Abed's Don Draper impression like it's just <laughs> cigarettes and they all like die yeah. laughing and he's like charmed and it's just like <laughs> Oh, it's it's genius for me. I never get sick of that episode because I think it it captures all of their hilarity in such a perfect way, and it's great. Yeah, did it, you know what? You're right on the idea that it's off the board because I, I never think of it until I watch it. Yeah, but it, it's fucking. Hilarious. And it's and it's one of those episodes too. I watched it a bunch of times till I realized how much I liked it, hmm. and I was rewatching it in like quarantine, and I'm like, fuck, like this this is one of my favorite episodes for sure. It's great. That it kills me every time. I'm probably going to watch it after you guys leave. <laughs> uh, number two, Aerodynamics of Gender, Season 2, Episode 7. This is the one where Troy and Abed stumble across a secret garden. Which oh, so yeah. Good. Fucking. <laughs> and Joshua was racist the whole yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. And the one rule that you can't double bounce and, like, because trampolines are outlawed at Greendale. It's like, well, that first off, that's ridiculous. But <laughs> the whole thing comes crashing down when, um, Pierce, who uh, gets a toy helicopter to fit in, which I think is fucking hilarious. The beginning of the episode, I got this new toy helicopter so I can fit in with like, these young kids that don't obviously want to play with a fucking toy helicopter, <laughs> yeah. right? So then he gets the double bounce, he breaks the legs, and then there's that joke running forward for the next few episodes that uh, Chevy Chase is stuck in the wheelchair with the broken legs, and um, that in turn inspires a whole slew of comic relief mm-hmm. over the next you know I want to say 10 episodes or so and, until he's finally fully healed and all that uh, and then and then you get uh, you get Robot Abed as well uh, identifying uh, mm-hmm. Hillary yeah. Duff as a bitch along with her friends and then the insults <laughs> oh, get worse and worse, I, and worse I do love yeah. a good Hillary Duff appearance yeah. too so yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that fucking hilarious yeah nice yeah, she's she's good in the episode that's a good episode in general it's a that great is episode very good, actually yeah yeah I like how they fire the gardener too, Joshua. At the yeah, end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because because the trampoline got discovered, like it's his fault, right? I, my favorite part Secretly is maybe racist. at the end of the so episode, good. like when they're firing him or whatever, and they go to check out the scene. There's guys like sawing apart yeah. the metal bars of <laughs> yeah. like the trampoline. It's gonna be destroyed. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. All right, and uh, on to my number one, which has Ooh. been mentioned. But only wow. pretty recently here. Mike Warren would be happy. It's a season two, episode sixteen, intermediate documentary filmmaking. I uh, just love everything about that episode. You know, it's funny so James just mentioned that other episode, but that's kind of the culmination of like, you know, Pierce and his <laughs> broken legs or whatever. Like we're working towards that really eventually. Um, I mean, I only want to add a couple things because we already talked about this episode and it is fucking fantastic, but. I love that they do, like, they parody the doc setup, like, that a lot of, even NBC shows were doing at the time, you know? Um, oh, I'll, oh, I'll get there. <laughs> I do. I get I, there with my number one. I do love that. Um, as Bruce said, it's, uh, it's a great, uh, like, maybe the pinnacle of Pierce being, like, you know, tormenting the group, being a fucking ass in that episode. And, uh, yeah. 
the other the other joke that I like that wasn't really mentioned is the one person that like and she still sees it that way that he's not even tormenting his Annie like he just gives her like the TR or whatever she's like what does it mean like yeah. <laughs> I don't get it like what what could he possibly mean by this and it like cuts to Pierce he's like ah, I just I just like her the best like she's just my favorite in the group you know um, other than that uh, there's the one good Pierce quote too I think it's something like. Oh, vengeance. No, I I never hold a grudge, Jeffrey. My dad held grudges. I always hated him for that. (laughs) (laughs) I always enjoyed that. And then the LeVar Burton thing with Pierce might be my favorite bit in the whole show. Just like how freaked out he is. I told Pierce I never wanted to meet him. You can't disappoint a picture. (laughs) (laughs) I I love how LeVar Burton's just trying to like yeah like just like deal with him the whole time eh? it's like he's well perhaps you're familiar with my work uh, on reading rainbow eh? he's just like trying to like get him like to talk he's and like it's uh, just not gonna happen yeah he's been there so long he's like all right you know i tried like i'm gonna get out of here but it's like no no like this he means believe me oh, like you mean so up. much to him like i will literally write you a check to like stay here another day he's like that's how- <laughs> he's fucking screaming Oh god, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious to see if we have the same number one here because there's an episode you haven't mentioned that I I thought you were a fan of. That my my number one is uh, one of my like uh, it's probably top ten favorite episodes of like a comedy <laughs> series ever, uh, and it would probably be very high on the list. The reason being is because it it parodies two movies and. I, I, they're not two movies that you would generally find funny, and that is kind of the joke. Uh, my favorite episode is season three, episode eight, documentary filmmaking Redux, uh, <laughs> which is the episode in which um, uh, Greendale needs to update their commercial because the commercial that they have on TV is so old. Uh, the dean loses his mind and becomes obsessed with making this commercial. He goes like. Fifty thousand dollars over budget. Uh, He's got Jeff in the bald cap playing him, and then Jeff loses it. So they they got the dean, or sorry, Chang is the fucking understudy. Understudy pulls off the fucking wig, and he's got a bald cap under the wig on top of his hair. um, Luis Guzman, obviously, famously in the episode, uh, they try to get him to help make the fucking commercial. The end product of the commercial is so fucking funny, too, because it's just, like, a bunch of, like, outtakes from them trying to film the commercial, and then they still leave Luis Guzman in the commercial being like, I had a great time at Greendale, I got laid like crazy, and they keep that in the fucking commercial. Like, from beginning to end, that show, that episode is so, like, just builds in being so outrageous, and I guess that's what happens in Hearts of Darkness, so that's kind of why, uh... That's kind of why it's such a great um, parody. I even just like the idea that they, for some reason, bring in Jeff Garland to maybe be in the commercial too, and he's being an asshole in his fucking trailer, yeah, like Pierce was. That. Oh my um, god! Like it's just, oh, it's just such a fucking perfect episode. And uh, this also means a lot to the fan base because this was the episode um, that aired on the Thursday night after the Monday where they were like, by the way, uh, we're putting community on hiatus. And then this was the episode that aired Thursday 
and community fans lost it on the internet. They're like, did you just watch that fucking episode and you're going to fucking cancel this show kind of thing? And there was a huge internet campaign to prevent the cancellation and obviously that it, it didn't get canceled. So, um, in, in some ways, I think this episode is also responsible for sort of saving the show. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's my favorite. I fucking think it's so funny. I'm watching it after you guys leave. <laughs> all of season three. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, just going I'm it. probably going to watch my top ten, like, just in order. Uh, okay, uh, well, uh, we did not have to say number one. Uh, sorry. Spoiler. Uh, my number one is, uh, the episode that directly precedes Pillows and Blankets. Uh, season three, episode 13, Digital Exploration of Interior Design, in mm-hmm. which Britta dates the Corpo Humanoid, yeah. also named Subway. That, yes. that, that <laughs> plot line so is funny. one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a show. Like, Dan Harmon is a fucking genius. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> but, like, even for those who aren't, who, yeah, who aren't, like, aren't here while we were recording, like, I was looking through a synopsis of community episodes and just the way that IMDB defines the episode, and it's not wrong, but literally what it says is, uh, when Britta falls for the human embodiment of the subway sandwich chain, comma, and then continues with a sentence, as if you're supposed to be like, oh yeah, I'll just keep reading. Like, you gotta read the first half of that sentence a couple times and be like, wait, what? Yeah, this 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 episode sets up, obviously, like I said, the next episode where they start the blanket and uh, pillow fort as, like, one cohesive unit, culminating at the end where there's clearly a divide that gives us the next episode so I, I like that kind of tie-in uh, but also beyond the subway Britta relationship which is fucking hilarious <laughs> like that that is one of the greatest pieces of writing I've ever seen yeah, for, for a character that's insane the other the other fact like the, the B storyline in this one maybe even the C if you're going to talk about the pillows and blankets is Jeff finding out that he has a locker that he's never used in the three years that he's been there with this angry note from Kim. Yes. Yeah. And Annie spends all episode trying to, like, better him for, like, how he treats women. Make only to find bad. out that Kim it's is a, a guy yeah. at the end of the episode. And, full circle, comes back to yes. Garrett. Oh, are you going to the Save Garrett rally? Yeah. It's like, oh, I thought we already saved him. Did we, though? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's fucking just struggling, eh? Oh, fucking great. We also get... Uh, uh, Vice Dean John Goodman there we uh, go. appearing I believe, yeah. for the first time in the yeah, series. Yeah, Vice Dean yeah. Laybourne. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Fucking hilarious. That's wow. my number one. Right oh, I'm, I'm very happy that we did that because that was... Uh... Yeah, it'd be a shame if uh, anybody missed out on doing this type of top ten uh, today with us. And I'm, I'm glad that we were all here to experience uh, that wonderful uh, get-together and... Uh, once in a lifetime opportunity that we'll never we'll never ever do this again so if you missed it too bad yeah that would have been a huge shame yeah really, really could you imagine missing out on this yeah reg no no i i can't i don't know how it would have gone on but mm. i'm kind of surprised none of us had course listing unavailable too on our lists which is the uh the episode where starburns dies and so britta's <laughs> like trying to honor him and she's got like fucking felt like star, <laughs> star sideburns on her, and she's like star Britta. She's trying to fucking make that happen. Ovid's like trying to edit that video together. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, yeah. It's the episode where uh, Garrett sings Ave Maria, of course, which is <laughs> again like that show has so many good jokes, but like that is just hysterical to me. That was Garrett singing. Um, was that Ave Maria? Ave Maria. That's great. 
Yeah, so that's a, that's a season of Laced Up. That's okay. it. That was, that was it. It only took us a year and a bit to finish. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was long. And you know what's amazing about that, too, is like, cool, you know, the season's over. Uh, what, we're going to be back in like a, probably a month or something? Like, I don't oh, know. Oh, no. We'll you, see. you won't see me till the World Junior Preview Show. Yeah, yeah, I guess around Christmas we'll, we definitely have to be back, but <laughs> fuck. That'll be, that'll be a fun season premiere. All with with snow and and candy canes in the air. Yeah, you love Christmas. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Happy I, November first. I love Christmas. So, um, okay. Well, thanks to Reggie for joining hey, us. Thanks, thanks, I guess, thanks to all of our us. guests and sponsors for doing this for another season. Um, we uh, had a, had a few interesting guest opportunities this year. Uh, some faded away because of the pandemic, but we had a, a good time with with who we did have and. Um, Went through a couple sponsors this season. It's great. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. Cool. I think that's it. Right on. Right on. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anything to add? Um, go vote if if you can. Yeah, I guess. Like uh, according to Anchor, like twenty percent of our listener base is in the states. Oh. Yeah. I don't really know who those. Go, go do the are, thing. Go do the vote. Yeah. Thing. Do your voting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. You can fuck off and all. <laughs> You don't know what I've been through. I've been downgraded. Wake up on your